What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We got another episode of The Strange Road for you. I'm your host, Mikey, and of course, riding shotgun, Bub, the bro host. Bub, how are we doing? Great. Good? Great. Yeah, awesome. Really good. We're ready to go then. Yeah. Well, we got Stoner and Disbro and Master Control with us. As always, everything's looking and sounding better and better each episode. We're adding a little bit more, refining the process, and uh, we hope you guys are enjoying. Check out that Master Control shot. Oh, yeah. Wave to the camera, fellas. There he is. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, I'm waiting to see like a disco ball in there and them like throwing a party while the show's happening. Like, what, what are they doing we back can in add Master some, Control? We can add some more lighting effects and some <laughs> disco balls and whatever else we want. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> uh, well, let's hop right into it. Uh, this this episode is going to be pretty exciting because the guests that we have tonight, we actually met at uh, Frogman Fest in March. Yep. Uh, we Jeff invited us out. Jeff Craig from Map and Black invited us out to help out in the AV room. And so we were uh, uh, helping out and we got to meet Tobias. We got to meet James Willis. We got to meet uh, B Mills and a whole bunch of other people. And and here we are. Uh, this is uh, going to be an awesome episode. And our guest today is Tobias Whalen from Singular Fortean Society. Yeah. Tobias is an author, researcher, uh, has been on several shows like Expedition X through the years. Nice. Many podcasts, radio shows. Uh, we've actually covered Tobias's uh, singularfortean.com several times on the yep. Strange Happenings. So if you guys ever go back and see those, you'll see some of those great articles that Tobias and his wife Emily have written. And without further ado, Tobias Wayland, Singular Fortean Society. What's up, dude? How are you? Hey, I am doing real well. How are you? Fantastic, man. Doing Thank good. you. Thank you so much for doing this and making the time to be with us. Um, this is great. And uh, Tobias, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you got down this path of creating Singular Forty in society. And is it something you've always been passionate about? But we'd love to know more about you for our audience. Sure. So, um, you know, I, I like to think that I would be a, a pretty normal, if uh, if a little nerdy guy, if it wasn't for some of the experiences that uh, that I've had throughout my my life. It really started when I was a, a very young child, right? Um, some of my my earliest memories, and, and and I'm talking about from age, you know, two, three, four years old. So really, just fragments of memories um, were uh, being terrified to go to bed uh, because I knew at night like something was going to happen, something was coming for me, right? And uh, I would remember waking up to the feeling of like something digging into my ribs or feeling like I'm being picked up or carried out of bed What? Uh, or having the the blanket pulled over my head uh, to see what looked like hands sort of pressing in on it from the outside. And, um, and, and, and that was terrifying. And if that had only happened when I was a, a child, I think it would be very easy to write off. But those kinds of experiences uh, continued. Uh, they continue today, really. Um, and so, uh, you know, there, there were, uh, other phenomena, um, seeing, uh, uh, shadow people or, or hearing strange voices, uh, uh, those, those kinds of, of similar things. I can give you, uh, in, an example of something, well, relatively recently, uh, this was, uh, and I'm honestly shocking myself now because I just realized this was like 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it felt, it, 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 it feels like it was much, much more recent. I was in my, my, uh, Early twenties, which um, again, how depressing is that to think that that was twenty years ago? But um, I know what you mean. I, I was 
<laughs> right. I was uh, I was in my early twenties, and uh, at the time, I I was living with my my parents. I had moved back home briefly, and um, I uh, I went to bed normally one night, and um, I remember waking up, and there was no obvious reason for me to be awake. You know, there was no obvious uh, stimulus that uh, that should have woken me up and uh, we lived in the the, the suburbs of of uh some prairie wisconsin for anybody who happens to know where that is and um because we lived in the the suburbs there was always some light you know there's ambient light from outside and so when i i looked around my room um i could make out uh everything that was supposed to to be there in in, in the ambient light coming in through my window and so, you know, I saw my my dresser, like my weight bench, my bookshelves, all of that stuff was there. But my perspective seemed off. You know, it it it, it seemed skewed, and it it took me a second to realize that the reason for that was because I was floating several feet above my bed, and um, mm-hmm. I wasn't paralyzed. I I, I could move, and uh, you know, I was moving my my head uh, to to look around me. And um, it just seemed like in that moment, it probably wasn't a great idea to move too much considering mm-hmm. my my circumstances. And so I turned my head to my my left to to look around and I see next to me this this shadowy human-like figure. It really looked like the, the silhouette of a, a, a human man, but without features, right? Just, just completely black. And um, I had the distinct impression that I wasn't supposed to be awake for this. Uh, and so I, I look at this thing and it reaches its hand out and places it on my chest. And I always sort of interpreted that as being comforting, but I don't really know what its actual motivation was. And um, when it did that, I was lowered back down to my my bed and it just vanished. Now, at that point in my life, because the, the the next question I always get is, well, were you freaking out? And then yeah. usually, why weren't you freaking out, right? Um, at that point in my life, um, I knew that there was no point in waking anybody up, you know, like my parents weren't going to do anything. Hmm. Uh, really, that just leads to like grumpy parents, right? Yep. Um, and so if I was going to be hurt by then, I would have been, you know, it wasn't, it Could- wasn't scary. Can and, I ask and, something? And that sort of, yeah, can I of ask something real quick? Because that makes me think. So we always say that kids are more sensitive. They can see the ghost and what this and that. Do, do you think it's that or do you think it's maybe as adults, we're just like either A, you're like, why am I going to tell my parents? What are they going to do? Why am I going to tell them? You like you digested it yourself. You didn't have to go to your parents and go, did I just see the boogeyman or this? Like, do you think that that's a possibility of why? Because that's a common theme I feel like that you hear is like, oh, kids have this perspective and they're untainted and this and that, which, yeah, to some degree I agree with, but it just seems re- I've never heard somebody say it before because it, ma- it just clicked in my head of like I've had an experience, but the only reason I talk about it is because we do a show like this. I don't go tell everybody because it's like, what am I going to do with it, right? I think that you are exactly right. Um, I like to say that everybody is about three beers away from telling me their their paranormal story, honestly. Oh, yeah. no. um, because, well, I I, I, I think that. as we <laughs> I <love laughs> thank that. you. Uh, I I think that as we we age, we are encouraged by society to sort of put away childish things like um, seeing ghosts or believing in monsters. You know. Um, that's something that uh, that 
rationality and uh, you know the, the the mainstream scientific paradigm under which so many of us live tells us is inappropriate for us to care about as adults. And so if you see something like that, you're supposed to dismiss it. And if you don't dismiss it, then there's something wrong with you. Now, I don't agree with mm. that, but I, I think that um, that is probably why we don't get more open reports from adults. Now, uh, another thing that I hear from witnesses quite often, and, and I think this sort of reinforces that point is, you know, they'll have this impossible experience, right? You know, maybe they'll see Bigfoot or Mothman or a UFO or a ghost or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, and uh, it's it's impactful. You know, it, it really makes a big impression on them. And we're a social species. We, we, we want to talk to each other, right? Mm -hmm. Like we want that connection. And so the first thing that they'll do is they do want to tell somebody about it. And so they'll go to a loved one, could be a spouse or a parent or a close friend, whatever. And they will tell them about this experience, this powerful experience. And the number one reaction is that they get laughed at. Mm -hmm. And yep. it is heartbreaking. And then they don't want to talk about it again. And, and they don't um, until they meet somebody like us that uh, that seems normal enough to talk to yeah. uh, who will actually take them seriously. Yeah. And so I, I think that is uh, a way that society reinforces that standard, you know, like shame is a powerful motivator. And oh, so when yeah. people are shamed by the people that they, they trust more than anyone, um, it, uh, it has a huge effect on them. So yeah, totally. I, I, I do think that that's a, a big, a big reason. That is a very poignant take on it though, too. The, the actual complete workings of it. Cause I wouldn't have thought of that, but it does make sense of like, if you saw something like a Sasquatch, you're telling somebody immediately, you're going to, but you know, you were going to tell somebody like me or Stoner or whoever, that's going to be like, Oh yeah. I wouldn't run to the paper. Well, no, right no, away. no, no. Or, but like Tobias is saying, usually yeah. people confide in somebody they know. Yeah, exactly. And that person maybe doesn't share the same beliefs or even care about the same things. And they're like, you saw UFO, all oh, who cares? Go like, you know, get the laundry out of the dryer. And you're like, my life just got turned upside down and I'm questioning everything now. And I just like, that's a weird juxtaposition that I feel like I've been in those scenarios, not with seeing something strange, but just how my mind works and trying to explain to people when I'm excited about something that they can't grasp. Usually Mikey is the one that can understand that, which is why we've been friends for so long, but it's, it's an understandable feeling because I, myself, I know who to give things to. I know who I can tell things to, yep. or if I'm just wasting my breath, I've learned that over the years because of interacting with people through work or whatever social situation I've understood that quickly, but to your point too, I think I've like, when I was a nurse, I just always had that face where people would tell me whatever, like I had a, a therapist face for them or something. And I don't know what it was, but maybe it was because I honestly listened, but I would get all these wild stories all the time. And I'm like, why is this happening to me? Do I have a sign behind me or oh, something man. where people are like, just come tell Justin like the craziest yeah. things? When you I, as well. When I worked at the, I used to run a cell phone store and people would tell me so many things. Everything. Like, why are you telling me this? This is so personal. What is going on? Right. It's like, am I an armchair therapist for you right now? I need to begin. I need to get paid a little bit more for this. Honestly, maybe that's a space that needs to be filled. Yeah. A cryptid therapist, a, a, a paranormal therapist, a, yeah. that person that you can go to. It's like, Jesus, maybe we're missing a big swath of data collection by not doing that. Well, that's giving people like, anonymity and going, hey, look, 
I'm not going to laugh at you. Come in and talk to me. Well, the Confessionals podcast, Hollow Skies Night Shift, is kind of a platform for people to True enough, tell their story I in guess, a safe space. True enough. That is the yeah. therapeutic kind of Merkel's kind of a, going on to it. Kind of a therapist, yeah. a cryptid therapist, if you will. Well, I don't want people to die with these stories. Yeah. What if we never heard about Roswell? What if we never had Bob uh, Lazar come out and talk about Area 51? What if we didn't have the UFO thing today? What if we didn't have... What if people just kept their mouths shut? David Grush. You know, yeah, I'm just saying, like, that's a really impactful thought. And the amount of people that don't come forward is just, it's got to be staggering. Because the other thing, Tobias, is we want to know, like, at me, for at least me personally, like, my experiences, I'm trying to validate them against another rational experience that lines up. And I've found them. So I can correlate and corroborate. Yep, I'm not out on a whim there. You know, your experiences. You can probably find similar experiences to people going, hey, I was floating out of my room and they were, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I've heard that before. It's really rare that there's going to be a one-off, unique, only happened to one person type thing. It's just. Right. Like, Get back to well, your, um, your experience yeah. because there was a, a, so when you were floating up in the air, you turn your head, you see this figure. And then is there a point where you remember coming back down on your bed or what was kind of laid the, him down? Yeah. The. Yeah, so it, it uh, I'm looking to my left and I see this thing and it, it reaches its hand out and it puts its hand on my chest. And at that point, I'm lowered back down. Wow. And as soon as I'm back down on my bed, it just vanishes. And it's it's just gone. Now, uh, interestingly enough, um, you know, and this kind of goes to your point, too, about how uh, different adults process these these kinds of uh, phenomena um, years later. I am in a uh, uh, Ohio for my cousin's wedding, and my my brother and I, after the reception, because it ended a little early, so we decide we're going to go hit the the uh, bar, get a few drinks, whatever. You know, we didn't have anything to do, and um, and so we're drinking at this bar, and uh, this is not something that I ever spoke openly about with with my family until I started doing it professionally. And, uh, and so I think I was just the right amount of buzzed where I was like, <laughs> Hey man, have you ever like, had anything weird happen to you at, uh, at, at, uh, mom and dad's house? You know, like, is it just anything weird? And, and my brother who's not into any of this stuff, doesn't care about any of it. You know, he's a, a, a scientist. He works in a lab by trade. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was like, you know, now that you mention it, there was one time when I, I woke up in bed and I looked over and there was like this, this shadowy man, like this shadow man standing next to me. But I assumed that I just had to be dreaming. So I just, uh, I saw it and I just rolled over and went right back to Isn't sleep. Isn't that funny? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you gotta be kidding. The scientist. I didn't, eh. I didn't tell him, but I was like, <laughs> my God, you know, like that's, wow. that's some, that's some interesting corroboration. I mean, Very much. I mean, my brother Jordan sleeps so heavily, the ghost wouldn't be able to wake him up. He might have been haunted as a child every day and never knew it. But I was the I was the type pulling the covers over my head. So it's yeah. even at that age of the difference of like your brother say, like, oh, I just didn't care. I figured I was just dreaming. I'm going back to sleep. Like, no, me, I'm running out of the bed probably like at that age. Yeah, yeah I'm running. But so your house, you wouldn't say it was haunted. What would you say? Like this was kind of like a one off or well, obviously it happened twice that you know of yeah. with your brother. Well, but I, I, theories about the house itself or the property. I, I wouldn't say the house is haunted yeah. so much as as maybe I am. 
you know, uh, because this is the kind of thing wow. that's happened. I don't mean to laugh, ev- but everywhere. we just had a guest that talked about his mom and literally said that exact same thing. He's like, my mom's haunted. She's a Not haunted the woman. house. She's a yeah. haunted person. A haunted and woman. all sure. these things happen to her, but nothing happens to me or anybody else. But still to this day, there's all these things. To the just, point of her new husband, when she moved in with him, he was like, yeah. Nothing. Like when she came in here, stuff started <laughs> happening. So I think you're right. You're the kind of magnet conduit, you know, uh, transistor of strange. You know, you're the gateway for it. Right. Well, it's something that I've uh, I've encountered since um, when interviewing other other witnesses. Um, this was another sort of interesting corroboration. I, I spoke to a, a woman named Olga up in Rogers, Minnesota. This was a, a couple of years ago. And she wanted to tell me about this shadow person sighting she had had in her house. And it turned out after speaking to her that the phenomenon was sort of centered around her grandson, uh, also named uh, 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 Toby, actually. Oh, wow. um, Who, yeah, that's a weird like synchronicity, right? (laughs) And um, and, and so the the phenomenon was sort of centered around him uh, in, in a way that she didn't, I think, immediately recognized, but made a lot of sense to me after I, I had, I had spoken to her. So basically just, uh, to, to sort of sum it up, um, she saw this shadow person walking upstairs one night and it was sort of going towards her grandson's bedroom. So naturally concerned, uh, she runs upstairs after it. It's nowhere to be found. He's sleeping soundly the next morning. Uh, he crawls into bed with her, which is not unusual. Uh, you know, he was maybe, I think four or five when this was, uh, actually, um, happening. So um, he crawls into bed with her and she gets up to to go to the, the bathroom so she can get the day started. And he comes just hauling after her, like just sprinting. Right. And um, and she asks him what's wrong. And he says that there was this this monster with with red eyes sort of staring at him and that scared him. And so he, he had to run after her. And it was later then that uh, he had a, a sleepover with his cousin. This was some time later, actually. And his cousin is not a sound sleeper. And uh, and so during that sleepover, his cousin woke up, as he often did, and he saw this uh, this shadow person sort of standing there watching uh, Toby sleep. And it just seemed to be standing there observing him while he slept. And uh, and he said that once it seemed to notice him, it it vanished. Mm. So once it it noticed him watching it, that's when it disappeared. And uh, and they had other stuff going on where people would see uh, anomalous balls of light. And I don't mean, you know, uh, insects or, or dust on IR or anything like that. But like with the naked eye, seeing anomalous balls of light, uh, other sort of, of paranormal or, or haunting phenomena, um, you know, nighttime visitations, that that sort of thing. But uh, but that really stuck with me because it was so similar. Yeah, to what I had experienced growing up, and uh, and and still do to some extent, and it, it's 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 bizarre, you know, because it's um I guess it's not uh, it's not sort of traditionally scary, right? You know, it's, it's like a horror movie, like oh no, this thing's watching me constantly. Yeah. Um, it's but it's creepy. It's, it's, it's just it, it weird. Creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. that whole voyeur lurky weird. Yeah, why are you watching me, ghost? Like, wh- what's up here? And Unless you're, you're like standing me. guard for me, then I'm down with it. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's your guardian angel. Who knows? Or, yeah, there's like something where that spirit's maybe it's your to antimatter. You. Maybe it's another version of you from another universe watching you, or you know, uh, 
the another iteration. I don't know because I've had yeah. that's the encounter I've had was with a shadow person. So that's what I'm saying. I've got a lot of different stories like yours as well that I can basically go, yep, yep, yep. And even like weight depression on the bed and covers lifting and all that and audible voice and stuff. And so it's like you do have to sit there and go, man, did I just hallucinate all that? Was that a, I always thought it was sleep paralysis, but I was like, there's no way I'm getting out of bed if I had sleep paralysis. Cause I was out of that house right. in like 10 seconds. <laughs> I, it freaked me out. I was Falling ready down to go. the stairs. Yeah. I was ready to go, <laughs> right. but kind of did the same thing. What do I do? I got to go back to bed I'm going in my house. Like, I'm going to call the cops. <laughs> yeah. Come get right. the shadow like, person. What are... <laughs> What are they going to do? Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that people almost never do anymore. Uh, like nobody calls the cops. Nobody goes to a newspaper or anything like that. Although mm-hmm. um, I wanted to say, uh, you know, and, and you sort of touched on this. There are a variety of uh, narratives that can be applied to these these phenomena, specifically shadow people. Like mm-hmm. you see so many people sort of just overlay their own personal bias on that particular phenomenon. Uh, to some people, it's a ghost or a spirit. To others, it's an alien or an interdimensional being right. or a demon right. or, or who knows. You know, actually, I have a, a personal story about that. Um, my uh, my sister, once I started doing this, uh, came to me once and uh, and she said, you know, I, I saw one of those, like one of those shadowy beings in our uh living room, you know, it was at my, my, my parents' house. And, um, and she was like, you know, I, I really think that it was, it was grandma coming back to visit me. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I don't think it was, yeah. I mean, there's no evidence to support that whatsoever. Yeah, right. right. Like, I would love to believe it, but I mean, seriously. Right. But I, I didn't tell her that I couldn't, you yeah. know, I was just like, you know what, maybe yeah. like I'll give it a maybe, right. you right. never know. Right. right. But uh, but that's that's what happens is people have these experiences and they'll say, oh, I saw a ghost, you know, so if, if and, and they don't know that that's what they saw, but that's that's what they overlay on top of the actual experience. So yeah. when somebody comes to me, they'll say, you know, I saw a ghost or I saw Bigfoot or or I saw an alien or something. And I'll say, hey, slow down. Tell me what you actually saw. Like, what did you mm-hmm. experience? And then, and then we can get into: was it a ghost? Was it an alien? Whatever. Right, know? right. Kind of funnily get into the right category after that, or kind of like we said earlier when we were talking about the the Loveland Frogman and how it's like all these stories coalesce into one. It's really not a representation of each individual story. It's like an amalgamation, right? And with trying to go, well, it's ghosts. Well. Is it a shadow man? Is it a this? Is it a, you know, is people it a doppelganger? Just, is it, there's a lot of variety and flavors of ghosts. People are trying to relate to the closest thing that they have that they're yeah. aware of. And ghost is just at the top of the list. Yeah. It's you know, the buzzword. It's, it's just like, well, I can point my experience to something that if they're not into this stuff, you know what I mean? Somebody like sure. Bias has that same experience. The well, weird men and things like that that I've never heard of. I wouldn't even know what to categorize certain well, things. I only know because I listen to the stories. ET of encounters. Stuff. They look like they're see through. They have this kind of like translucent kind of visibility where it's like uh, kind of oh, halfway, predator in, thing. halfway in between this world and that world. Yeah. And, and if you didn't know what you were looking at, maybe that looks like a ghost. Yeah. You know, well, that's a good point. Maybe it's maybe it's an E.T. and you're just seeing like this wavy, you know, kind of like maybe that's where the sheet kind of like ghoulish outline came from Ghost of Old, you know, the white. Maybe it's some kind of cloaking device. Who knows? Uh, But I agree with that. That take on it. It's it's tough to pin it down until you go, hey, just 
give me the story. Yeah. <laughs> let's go through it and let's digest right. this and we can kind of put a put a bow on it at the end or pin the tail on the donkey. Definitely, definitely. I mean, even trying to categorize something period, uh it um it gets it gets very murky very quickly, you know, because you say, okay, well, can you know, like we 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 want to categorize this as a ghost or something. Well, well, what the hell is a ghost? Yeah. You know, like is is it um are you seeing into a parallel universe or are you seeing a different time um is it actually uh, uh a persistence of of consciousness you know post post mortem mm-hmm. um we we don't know and so a lot of times when somebody will say something like oh well i saw a ghost you're really just explaining one mystery with another which i i don't find particularly helpful you know in actually understanding their experience yeah so um it can be it it can be very tricky like i uh my, my wife and i both had full body apparition sightings um in the middle of the afternoon in wow. our, our old neighborhood well it was the weirdest thing because if there hadn't have been anything unusual about it i i wouldn't have known you know like so basically what what happened was i was out walking uh our dog one afternoon totally normal afternoon uh, it was a nice sunny day and uh, and the thing about our our dog bullet is he's very very friendly uh he's very very excitable and so at the time we lived in in Madison which is a good mid-sized city and we lived in a very popular neighborhood and so there was usually people out you know and if somebody snuck up on him or you know he just walked past somebody he always wanted to get friendly and i'm not that extroverted and so like mm-hmm. i usually was not into that and so you know he was sniffing around one of his favorite telephone poles on the the uh, street corner. And I'm sitting there, I got my head on a swivel, looking around to see if anybody's coming while he's going to do his business. And I, I look to my left and I see this, this like middle-aged woman uh, with shoulder length, brown hair, glasses uh, in like a pink, you know, jogging suit. She's got a pink headband on and she's sort of power walking towards me, you know? And so I, I look at her and I'm like, oh God, he better hurry up. So I glance back down at him. I couldn't have glanced at him for more than a, a second. And I glance right back up because I want to see how how quickly she's gaining on us. And so I see her, I glance down, I look back, and she's gone. Whoa. Just vanished. Yeah. Wow. And so I'm like, I, there's no place that she she could have went. You know, I actually, I, I took bullet and I crossed the street quickly. And then I walked the direction she was coming from to see if maybe she had like ninja rolled into <laughs> bush or something but she was just gone right now you said pink tracksuit into a bush are we talking like 1980s yeah what was the aesthetic of the clothes yeah time period appropriate it was i mean honestly i could see somebody wearing it today it was like one of those like you know those pink like kind of like fuzzy kind of like velour tracksuits like yeah 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 yeah. yeah, and wow. it's like it had like the you know like they'll have like the white stripes down the like yep. down the side and everything yeah. like it was it was one of those which wow. wasn't like the weirdest thing ever. It didn't seem particularly out of place because I yeah. live in kind of a weird neighborhood. Okay, is it a okay. portal that you're looking into another timeline? All I, of a sudden she's there and she's not. I got to bring this up. Is Maybe a, she you just me and I vanished. You just like what? hit something. You just hit something oh, in my brain. Man, that just I didn't even mind. think. I've never heard somebody say a story like this and say like. Maybe she saw This just me kind of freaked me freaked out. out. No, okay. I was on my front porch a couple weeks ago. I'm on my laptop doing work. And my dog's out there with me. And he hears everything. So we hear this like clicking, this rhythmic clicking. We're like, what the <laughs> hell is that? And I look across the street 
And there's this gentleman coming down the street with a walker, like, you know, with the little three nubs on the bottom. And it's like, and he goes up to this house across the street and he starts picking up Amazon packages and walking away. And I'm like, <laughs> so I sit up, I live in de- like downtown Columbus area, right? Like there's a lot of foot traffic. So porch pirates, what have you. I was like, Hey man, I was like, I don't think that's your stuff. And he's like, Oh no, no. I was going to take it around back. And I was like, I don't think no, you, you live there. No, you well, were. he comes off the front of this porch. <laughs> he walks down the sidewalk. There's a fence there. He turns left at that fence. Now, I'm still watching the road because he ha- the only place he can go is out to that road. There's a house there, and then there's these garages and this and that. He never came back. So I don't know if he went through the fence line and then, like, meandered through these backyards. Like, but to his point, like, I bet I sat there for, like, 10 minutes, and then I started getting concerned, like, where the hell did this guy go? Is he breaking in the back of this house? Yeah. Like, So I went and walked over. Look, I saw no trace of him. I was like, that's one of the strangest. I, But until you said that story, I would have discounted that. I probably in another two or three weeks would have forgotten it. But now it's kind of freaking me out. I'm glad I was here to do that. (laughs) It is freaking me out a little bit because I really don't know where he went. Like, you're like, what is she ninja roll in the bushes? Cause I was like, is this the most athletic dude with a walker coming down the street that I've ever seen? Like, is it all a, is he trying to throw me off? Is he really like, you know, very like he's doing parkour off the roof or something? I don't know. Dude, I don't know. That's really strange. Hmm. It's bizarre. Well, like I was saying, I, I didn't have that kind of, interaction either you know like you actually spoke to this guy and he yes. he responded he was real yes and then just disappeared yeah. that was so strange right and you said that's not the kind of thing oh, oh yeah go uh, ahead but oh, my, I, was, I was i was just gonna say yeah but my shadow um, person also talked to me okay like that's less unusual because that okay to yeah. me like there usually is some level of, of interaction you know like i I, I was touched by one, right? Like I can still feel it, you know, but, um, for like a, a time, yeah, that's, that's bizarre. But for like a, a time slip or something, you know, like if you actually talk to the guy, um, I guess what I'm curious about is what it looked like from his perspective. Sure. Who did he think you were? Right. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Fair enough. That's so interesting. It makes me think of the holographic universe, and I know I just referenced this the other day, but there, there's a section in there where you're talking about this, the time slips, right? Like, And these ladies were walking through this garden, and they were in the location of it, and I, I don't know, was it France? Marie Antoinette, where was she located? France. Was she French? Yeah. That was France. They were walking through this park that was you know, a historical area of that, right? And at one point, it was just like they just slipped through like a weird little kind of like almost like a, a rift or a fog or like something just and next thing you know like everybody around them was in that kind of garb it was that time period it was almost like what's that movie with the dog and the little boy peabody and mr sherman where they can go to all the different timelines and hang out mm-hmm. they literally just slipped into this like timeline and they're like where are we right now and they were there for a brief period of time and then it just like shifted again and they were like back in their time and they're like what just happened like it, it was some of the craziest stuff I'd ever heard. I, I didn't know things like that happen to people or people experience things like that. Um, but, yeah, like you're saying, what's it from his perspective? I'd never even considered that. <laughs> that is so crazy. 
Yeah, man, that's the the time slip thing, the peering into different timelines or people popping in and out. I mean, we know there's a multidimensional universe. You know, is there thousands of Mikeys and Bubs doing podcasts in other timelines, a slightly different? They talked about that in the UFO congressional hearings today. Yeah. Of like these, they, at one point, they're asking Grush, I believe, about the. Uh, he, he was basically trying to describe the beings and these pilots of these crafts or what have you. And he he's did like, they say in congressional record today that they were they've in, recovered bodies. Yeah, and they were interdimensional. He's like, so imagine you stand up and your shadows cast down on the floor in that two D image, but you're in a three dimensional state like that was the best way he could give an example and Mm -hmm. i was like i can actually wrap my head around that a little bit but it makes me think of with the paranormal with uh, ufology with any kind of cryptid too that we're still trying to really again pin that tail on that donkey like maybe we can't maybe for some of the stuff it's going to take a while if we ever can you know what if Mm -hmm. we can't yeah what if we can't explain shadow people what if we can't explain sasquatch but we know people are visibly seeing this or have physical evidence of it and damage or, you know, building structures or whatever it is. Right. Like, I think how do we explain that? We're building towards knowing so much more right now because it's more acceptable. People mm. aren't going to be viewed as kooks as much. Fair. I mean, people Fair. that came out with UFO stories were just absolutely discredited and destroyed in the media. Looked like a moron. They get them up on TV. Yeah. They destroy their lives. That is over. You have former intelligence officers Colonel Fravor, Ryan Graves, all these guys are up in front of Congressional on the record talking about these things. And I personally think it's a dam that's breaking to where now more and more people, I mean, the Apollo 15 astronaut that was recently on the show that said we came from ancient aliens. He starts talking about, you know, researching the Sumerian text and experiences he had up in space and how it got him thinking about, you know, uh, all these different things. So, yeah, the vibe is percolating with all of it. Don't you think, Tobias? I mean, we're kind of breaking through some of these misnomers about paranormal activity. Sure. Um, I I do think that uh, there is more mainstream acceptance for these types of phenomena now than, than ever before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although to that, that earlier point, um, when it comes to the possibility that we simply can't ever fully understand these things because we can never entirely perceive them. Um, the, the easiest way that I found to usually explain that to people is to, uh, imagine, you know, okay, so here we are, uh, in three dimensions, right? Like we, we operate in three physical dimensions. And what would it be like if we found a two-dimensional being, right? So I've got a two-dimensional being here where I can literally pop in and out of their perception at will, seemingly yep. in an impossible way from its perspective, right? Yeah. Um, so what I'm doing basically seems supernatural, but to me, it's it's as simple as as moving through this this dimension that I have full uh, uh, articulation within, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the scariest part, if you're the 2D being, is not only can I do whatever I want. And, and there's nothing you can do to stop it, but you can never see all of me. Yeah. All you'll ever see of me is the part that you're capable of perceiving from within the dimensions that you exist in. Wow. It'll that might be one of the freakiest of things I've ever heard. 
I mean, that, that totally, it, when you look at it that way, from the perspective of the person in the lower dimension or the being in the lower dimension. Well, that is us. We hear a lot about, you know, the you know we've read The Biggest Secret and, and the reptilians from the lower fourth dimension and these kind of low vibrating beings that are have been coming here and s- destroying civilization and restarting civilization. There's They're up in this takes. dimension where, like Tobias is saying, they're coming in and interacting with us. Well, at will. But we're able to only see glimpses when they, yeah. they pop through and you see their eyes change. And that's just a, a, kind of a dumb example, but yeah. um, it's kind of the reverse of that. That was where an- if you have these, if you believe the woo woo, these higher dimensional beings, these. That's what uh, they're saying. These six dimension, you know, angels and, and these kind of things that you hear well, about in the Bible. That's more of an ascription put onto it through maybe the best way they could understand it at like the time. That's like the White Brotherhood material and some of that Blavatsky stuff where they talk about, you know, higher dimensional beings that they were in contact with and could only connect through, through like ceremonial and psychedelics yeah. and those yeah. kind of things where. You can commune with them, and that's what, like, rituals and things like that are based off of and magic and and so forth. It's our way of breaking through and communicating with higher dimensional beings. Hmm. Um, sure. Well, that, that that really leads down a whole rabbit hole of, uh, of, of weirdness, which I, I personally love because then you start thinking about things like consciousness, right? Yep. And, and whether or not consciousness uh, is a force external to yep. to us you know to 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 the human body and then whether or not it's capable of existing in in other dimensions that you know physically we weren't we wouldn't be able to perceive and then you can use that to try to explain things like you know telepathy and, mm-hmm. and other parapsychological phenomena but also then um it starts to sort of make sense with how people describe their their interactions with these beings right so like to your point of the uh, uh, ascended masters of mm-hmm. theosophy, right? You know, yeah. so if you're sort of channeling them, right, which is what would 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 happen, you know, and, and you still see that today, where people will will claim to be able to chan uh, to to channel these these higher dimensional beings. Um, then what what does that really say? Like, if that's true, what is what does that tell us? Is this some sort of like conscious uh, uh, connection? happening on a, a, a non-physical level. And then what does that say about consciousness, right? Um, and, and is it then that the part of these beings that is, you know, sort of capable of being perceived by us is only perceptible on the level of consciousness. And that's why, uh, one, uh, for instance, like we get so many varied descriptions of beings, you know, um, are they, um, not unique, but perhaps unique to us and unique to our perception and our biases and uh, and and our subconscious that sort of forms in an image that we can interact with, you know, based on our our own experiences and expectations, you know, and and that's why there are seemingly so many you know uh, bizarre creatures running around and you get so mm-hmm. many like weird one-off creatures, you know, mm-hmm. that, that aren't ever replicated because they're sort of unique to the, the perception of the person seeing them at that time. Kind of yeah. reminds like me the of the Flatwoods theme of monster it, or any like, of or whatever you're afraid of, it comes out as, or whatever you perceive that thing to be as it morphs into, like it meets yeah. your expectations. They do it in contact. 
the movie with Jodie oh, yeah. Foster, right? Jodie Foster Sagan, becomes like, her father. Her dad, because they're like, yeah. we wanted something to be comforting to you and to be able to meet you in this space. And so we scanned your memories and we found out this and we presented this way. The Netflix series Voltron, the Voltron reboot. That's, that's so a good. big part. That's a great series. If you guys haven't seen that's that. That's fun. And you're into like anime sci-fi stuff. Wow. They go deep, deep, spiritual, esoteric. Uh, a lot of underpinnings of spirituality and technology. Yeah. It's like very, very interesting. Dana Carvey, uh, Dana Carvey, and Tina Fey have a new post-apocalyptic alien show cartoon. Like it's but like you're saying, it's bursting through everywhere. It's starting to hit in the pop culture. We've seen it in the movie references, the soft disclosure on that kind of stuff and subject. Like yeah. you know, Men in Black movies and depends. Like. I used to joke that I thought Will Smith was probably an agent because he's in all these movies, you know, kind of making it all right that, you know, aliens are here and one, he's defending us. And the next yeah. one, he's like working for, you know, uh, the Ellis Island, you know, uh, immigration service for the the aliens, you know. So, um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it just it keeps kind of seeing like maybe it's maybe it's the old uh, Bader-Meinhof syndrome, right? Like I go shopping for a pair of tennis shoes that I'm looking for and now I see them everywhere. Right. Maybe it's just we've got it on our brain and we can't help it because we're kind of like junkies for it. But I don't think so because it's starting to percolate from people that I don't necessarily usually talk to about these things. And like they're giving us like, hey, did you hear this? We're like, well, of course I heard that. But why are you hearing this? Yeah. Why are you talking about it now? Right. right. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and one thing we were talking about earlier with Tobias before we went live was mm -hmm. a little bit about John Keel and some of the Mothman stuff. And, yeah. And how, you know, Keel being kind of, you know, doing the work off of Charles Fort and without Keel, uh, without Charles Fort, there'd be no Keel. And kind of how that the book, The Mothman Prophecies, is sort of this smashing together of all these different experiences. Mm -hmm. And Tobias, if you could talk a little bit about that and just kind of walk us through that, because you had some awesome points that I wanted to to, to bring that into the conversation, um, because we're talking about inter interdimensional beings or yeah. these kind of one-off creatures sure. that maybe are coming in at certain times. And, and Keel hit, did have some interesting theories about this window of time that kind of opens up at the perfect time. And it's always resonated with me, but, you know, super spectrum, the super spectrum and, yep. and those kind of things. What are your thoughts on, first of all, Keel and his process and uh, about sure. throwing all those things together? Well, you can't understand John Keel without first understanding Charles Fort. Yeah. And so if somebody you know, out there listening, isn't familiar with Charles Fort and who he is. Uh, he was an early 20th century collector of weird news stories. Uh, he would collect all of these weird stories from all over the uh, uh, planet, and he would compile them into these massive volumes, and he would write and sort of speculate about what might, uh, what might be behind them. He would look for uh, connections and, um, and, and, sort of wrote very tongue in cheek, you know, uh, he, uh, he was responsible for, for concepts like the cosmic Joker. That was something that, that he coined. Um, he, uh, he speculated that, you know, perhaps, uh, earth is a zoo, uh, interesting fun Fair fact. Enough. He yeah. actually, uh, uh, coined the word teleportation. Uh, hmm. that, that was Charles Fort. He, All right. he made that word up to explain something. All yeah. right. Um, Yeah. And so uh, he is, he's sort of, uh, Charles Fort is to paranormal research today as like H.P. Lovecraft is to horror, right? Like mm. he's this hugely well influential figure who, um, uh, without whom 
all of your favorite authors wouldn't even exist. Like right. they wouldn't be who they are. And yet so many people have never heard of him and they're not familiar with his, his right. work. Right. Uh, one of his, his most famous quotes that I, I, I tell people, cause I think it, it sort of sums up uh, uh, what he was doing pretty well is uh, one measures a circle beginning anywhere. And I've always taken that to mean that by studying uh, any aspect of the paranormal, we can we can understand something about all of it because it does seem to be that interconnected. And so John Keel took that idea uh, and he ran with it. He really, really did. And so when he was writing the the Mothman prophecies, uh, he included every every weird thing that happened in like a tri-state area. And uh, and and he tried to connect it all. He 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 wove this narrative around all of it, trying to connect these these phenomena. And I think what people need to understand is, while we got some really really good ideas out of that, uh, and and he was very forward thinking, and uh, and and John Keel is definitely somebody who has been very influential. I think, especially in in sort of modern high strangeness circles. Um, just like with Charles Fort, Charles Fort was very tongue in cheek, you know, he was speculating and, and you had to recognize that about his writing because the last thing you want to do is just trust it implicitly mm -hmm. as though it, it, it is objectively true. And that's the same thing with John Keel. While he has these really cool ideas and, uh, and, and there could be something to them, you have to also recognize that he is very much sort of of tongue-in-cheek weaving this narrative to to speculatively uh examine these phenomena mm. and you can't take it too seriously you mm -hmm. just can't uh it's an interesting thought experiment but but that's sort of where it ends you know i i, I like to tell people that um you know guys like john keel or, or or gray barker you know one of his contemporaries and friends um, they never let the truth get in the way of a good story, you know, and, and, and that sounds like a dig and, and, and I get that, but it doesn't have to be. No, no I don't, I don't think it is a dig. Yeah. It's thought provoking. How, how, it's thought provoking. Right. Yeah. You have to know going into it that there is an element of entertainment with any of these guys. And I've always looked at a lot of these things as, you know, you're reading up on it. It's like, I do it because it's fun. I'm not there right. to disprove a story or right. try to figure out the poke holes in it. You want to get as many facts as you can. Curiosity. It's just more of like, wow, that's a wild story. And again, we have people on all the time. We're not here to try to disprove any of your personal encounters right, or right. anybody else that we've had on Tom Stoppelganger's story and oh some of those. Oh my gosh, those are good. Well, think of it this way too. It's like, like, hey, that's your experience. All the biopics we've watched in our lifetime now, like biopic movies, you know, I didn't realize we were watching that many until like La Bamba or this or that. But, you know, it's like, oh, the story. Johnny and you're Cash. like, that's how it was. And people are like, whoa, no, whoa, it's a no, biopic, no. buddy. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> many liberties have been taken. Yeah. And so I think of it that now, of what you're saying about Keel and Fort, maybe that, and not that they were taking as many liberties as say Hollywood, just trying to make a million bucks, but you know, they're trying to weave that storyline together. And so maybe they kind of did a Bob Ross and painted a happy little Mothman in with this at the same well, time. That's and, a good point. And kind of what Tobias was saying earlier, Tobias, you were saying John Keel needed an ending. Well, he needed a beginning, yeah. which seemed like injured cold was his, the beginning of his story. Then he wraps up the Mothman, and then in but the end is the silver stuff that maybe didn't relate 
And then, the like, Tobias, if right. you want to talk about that a little bit, about the ending that Keel needed for the hmm. Mothman prophecies. Sure. So, I mean, Keel was a very talented natural storyteller. And uh, and he, he knew, I think, that uh, audiences demand a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. But the reality of these phenomena is that there is no end. There are no neat and tidy endings mm-hmm. to these because they, they never go away. People are still seeing winged humanoids in the Ohio, the, the Ohio River Valley today. It never stopped. Yeah. But that's not a book that is, is going to make the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. One that has a nice narrative ending, like, say, the collapse of the, the Silver Bridge. Now, that gives people closure. That that ties the story together. It, it makes it make sense on, on some level You're absolutely when none right. of this actually makes sense. You're absolutely right. And so I think when, when that happened, um, especially upon reflection, because you have to remember that the, the, the Mothman prophecies was written several, several years after yep. any of this actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it probably made a lot of sense to him to, to go ahead and go, well, you know, um, speculatively sort of in that 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 Fordian tradition of, uh, of of speculating what's behind these phenomena um just suppose like these things were actually connected mm-hmm. and I'll write it into this story as as though like they possibly could have been but in reality I mean in all likelihood the silver bridge was a horrible uh tragedy that had nothing to do with anything other than the fact that uh, uh, infrastructure, specifically bridge infrastructure in this country in the 60s was horrendous and had <laughs> needed to, to, to be updated for decades. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And do you agree? Do you think that the injured cold and Darren, Darren uh, Woodrow, Darren Berger's story was John Keel kind of pulled that out as his beginning of the story? To kind of because he does say that well everything started after this incident with Woodrow Derenberg. It does feel that way, and well, he sets it up that way yeah. in in the Mothman prophecies. Is that just something that he just grabbed a hold of and was like, boom, here you go. This is the beginning of the story. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was um, an interesting story and a weird story, and too interesting and too weird to leave out. And Fair I enough. think that mm-hmm. that was the beginning of the the story to him. Uh, but it wasn't the beginning of of the Mothman phenomenon. Um, it, it wasn't the beginning okay. of of weird things happening in in that area. You yeah. know, there had been a long history, really. Yeah. But but that's that's the kind of thing where Chief Cornstalk. if somebody yeah that story yeah, yeah. it's the Loveland Frogman uh, scenario yeah it really is it's lumping it all and yeah pumping it all into one jambalaya of mm-hmm. you know crypto but paranormal it's interesting, but I, yeah I know, ate it up I Woodrow Derenberger's interview I mean you can still watch yep. that on on YouTube I mean there is like some actual documentation well, of that story in terms of at what least, did England say about it that was interesting what was he hauling when he got nitrogen. Managed? Some form of that, like hot dogs, or he was, yeah, yeah, he had and talking s- about UFOs and how he has this theory on UFOs coming down and taking clouds. nitrogen, and and for some reason that's like a part of their makeup, or they need it for some reason. Like he's like, oh yeah, there's like hot dog vendors getting their UFOs. cart stolen and all weird kind of stuff. Like what? Yeah. I've never heard any of this. And then that brought up the uh, sky jellyfish, the movie, uh, the Tremors movies were. You know, the Tremors, and I think it's Tremors 3, they eat nitrogen. Yeah, and Those they eat it in Stranger beings. Things. The people are eating nitrogen. Things. They're eating the fertilizer. Like, 
I look at stuff like that and I'm always just like, okay, there's that breadcrumb again. There's that breadcrumb <laughs> again. Weird. There's that breadcrumb again. Like, why do I keep getting hit by this? Who's di- right. And I'm like, oh, I need to notice this. I need to pay attention mm-hmm. to that. Why am I getting hit with these weird little things? Like, that's why I stop you sometimes. I'm like, hey, I have to know. Do you think this? Because this is what my brain's doing. And I want someone else to go, yeah, that makes sense to me. It's no different than doing a scientific experiment of like, well, it is a different a little bit away because I can't reproduce these, but... I'm saying taking all the given facts, like, is this a logical conclusion? You know, does it make sense the whole adult child losing that perspective and things like that to gain more insight? Because it might make me more inclined to just start talking to everybody going, hey, do you have a paranormal story? You got a UFO story? And really thinking I got a 50-50 shot with a lot of people now, right? Like I might just start those conversations after that. You, You kind of unlock that thought process for me, so. It's interesting. You absolutely should, frankly. Uh, ev- literally everybody should because <laughs> yeah. almost everybody you. you know has probably experienced something, something weird, even if it's only, you know, uh, thinking about somebody only to have them call a few seconds later, you know, yeah. or knowing when somebody showed up at their house before they ring the doorbell. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Everybody has experienced something like that. It doesn't have to be as spectacular as a full-bodied apparition or sure. an alien abduction right. or anything like that. Um, everybody has experienced something weird that they have written off as, uh, as, as something mundane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure more than one. But that's the thing, too. And that's why I kind of borrow this from Keel in that sense of like, um, it was probably when my wife and I first started dating. I'd never had so many synchronicities happen in my life of like, I'm reading this book. Yeah, she has that book. Maybe it was just a very good bookseller. You know, our trip out west, all these different synchronicities that happened on that trip as we, you know, dated and when we got married, like just. But what I found out was I, I kept feeling like phenomena of what he says in the Mothman, the movie, and maybe he says it in the book, but of like, he's like, you see that window washer up there? See that guy up on that roof building? Well, he can see like miles down the road. He might know that there's a fire truck coming or that there's a crash that's happened or whatever. He can see the sunset before you. Doesn't mean he has any superpower. He just has, like we said earlier about that, going in and out of dimensions almost. And maybe that's what they're trying to allude to in the film in that kind of like perspective of showing it and, and representing it of, you know, again, they're, they're not any more omniscient than you. They can just see things in a different light. So it feels that way. And it, again, mm-hmm. being the, being the ones on the other end of it, probably at the moment, right. It makes us feel like, Oh God, I've never felt more inadequate in my life. Yeah. Like, how are we going to defend ourselves if we really have a problem? You know, that was, Another part of the hearing today, and I hate to keep going back to the ufology thing, but they said so many things of like, you know, they're being asked, could you have engaged with the Tic Tac UFOs or any of these things that you claim to have seen when you saw them, you know, in your F-16s and this and that? And they're like, no, they would have just gotten out of there or our weapons. Like, do you think they're coming down here looking at our nuclear facilities? Do you think they're probing us? Do you think they're testing our ability? Like. All of all, the stuff all there three across of them the board. Agree. Yes. Yes. yes all of them. Yes. I thought I felt like in that part of the they were trying to drum up some fear, which Congress is great at. Well, no, but they're know, legitimate concerns. They with are impunity concerns. being able to. We can't. But I was talking to England about this today, Mister E, and and it's 
if they would have any sort of capability to attack us, they would have done did it 50 years ago, and we would be completely not necessarily wiped off Earth. Not necessarily. If you're going to be a species if, that's intergalactically benevolent, they wanted to like, attack you can't us, just they would attack have done everything. It. They would have done it. If they wanted to. And they to. could have gotten away with it. If they wanted to. And right. It doesn't mean they're all malevolent initially. I'm just saying, like, what it means is they could – we don't stand a chance in a fight, basically. No, no that's what I'm telling They haven't about. snuffed us out, but it's not to say it's because they're – not going to. It's just they haven't decided that we're a problem that they need to address in that manner. Yeah. Right now, we can't even really hurt them if they, that's what the case is. They just disable our nuclear warheads and do weird things like that. Yeah. <laughs> or just, right. you know, literally fly off into outer space and we can't do anything about it. Yeah. Well, it's 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 like this. Um, why would they ask us for permission to do anything more than we ask the ants on the sidewalk for yeah. permission before we step on their anthill, right? Like yeah. we make it about us. We always make it about Absolutely. us. We make this a, a, a human centric issue Yes. when to them, do you think to them it's about us? I don't you know. Like it, it doesn't seem to be like that often. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the, the reality is they're going to do what they're going to do. And it's going to be whatever they want. Yeah. It's going to be weird. It's going to be inscrutable. And we may never understand any more than those poor ants on the sidewalk. Yeah. Don't understand what yeah. that, that huge boot shaped was. Yeah. Like that huge boot shaped thing was that just stepped on them. Yeah. Right. Until they invade your realm and then it's game on. Well, that kind of brings up. Uh, then I'm going to get you. One of the singular 40 right. Uh, articles that we did cover on the show was the Las Vegas UFO crash. Oh yeah, seven foot tall being in the kid's backyard, and so we we after seeing your article on that, we went and, and dug in a little bit and watched uh, the kid's video and so forth. Um, Trying to figure out that situation still because it kind of just yeah, went away. It really went away, right? Like that story just died. Do you have any updates on that story? I haven't seen anything. Um, you know, we were all sort of waiting for that kid to to post more videos. Yeah, my, and I, I hate to be this guy, but my my sort of take on it um, now, and, and my initial gut feeling was that it might just be a story. Yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of the aspects didn't didn't really add up, um, and so it's looking more and more likely that it, it was just a, a story that that this kid made up. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, there there's just a lot of of um really sort of damning evidence towards that you know even yeah. looking at like george knapp's coverage where mm. you know he's out there in uh in in vegas he showed they're up trying yeah like they're trying to, to interview these people and the people would keep making these appointments to be interviewed yep. and yep. then they like wouldn't answer the door wouldn't answer their phone yeah i can tell you from personal experience that that is a huge red flag mm -hmm. uh, if you've got this witness who says that they want to talk to you but then they just keep finding excuses to never ever talk to you yeah um that nine times out of ten they are making something up mm -hmm. like they are not telling yeah. the truth and, and i think part of it is that they can eventually then say like well you know i wanted to be interviewed uh but i just you know i kept reaching out to like say george knapp or, or whatever um and it just it never came together you know and mm. then i just was never interviewed but i totally wanted to be because this yeah. is absolutely real and i swear <laughs> it happened yeah but uh it just it never did tobias are you planning on going to CryptidCon this year I do not. I I've yet to be invited to Crypto, CryptidCon. I would love to go, um, but uh, no, I have no plans this this year. I think I'm going to have to go. Travis Walton's going to be there. 
as billed at the moment, and David Politis is going to be out there. And I was going to okay, ask, I, yeah, just because Walton's story is pretty longstanding, he, and I think like uh, Bob Lazar's story, right? The, the ones that don't waver. Yeah, it's, it's been always decades, the same. and it's the same <laughs> it's story. Consistent. Do you have any take on the Travis Walton story? Whether or not the veracity, you know, the complexity of it, you know, they've gone back to the site and visited years later, and those trees where they would have been logging have grown up exponentially like they're Huge. way bigger than they should be they're like 60 year old growth when they should be whatever it was you know 16 years or something crazy that they said sure uh, you know I, I actually i met travis once at oh, wow. uh, a conference a, a few years ago well we were both speaking at the the, the same conference and uh, he came across to me as a very uh serious a very uh sincere sort of person. Mm -hmm. Right. And so right off the bat, you know, I, I had a, a good feeling, um, about him in terms of at least how he felt about his story. Sure. You know, like I can't, of course I can't say exactly what happened, right? but I can say after, after speaking with him that, um, it, it definitely seemed to me like something happened to him that he couldn't explain and uh, and had a real impact on on his life. And that's something that I, I really, really look for. Uh, and that's always been one of those stories that always seemed the most credible to me mm -hmm. in in ufology. You know, um, you think about all of the the lie detector tests and all of the work that went in right away, like immediately to investigate these claims. And how they have withstood decades of people trying to debunk them. Yeah, um, I, I think that speaks towards the uh, the the veracity of these guys' experiences. Again, like we can't know what really happened, but I think that we can say uh, all of the evidence points towards some kind of of real experience that, that these, these guys shared, whatever mm -hmm. that is, whatever that means. And, um, and, and that, that's something we can have confidence in. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, I, I think Travis Walton is an, uh, authentic person. Nice. Whatever happened to him, he believes it happened. Oh you know yeah. Yeah. Mean? Yeah. Like for sure. I've watched so many interviews with him and yeah. you just don't, get the sense i mean the movie that was made it was a great movie when i was a kid but if you go back and watch that it's not even close to what he experienced right it's i mean i think they the tried the as hard aliens, as they could or maybe yeah. it wasn't a big enough story and they got enough it was budget great to make it until they got on the ufo on the craft where he's like right. digging himself out of all that biological material and then pops out and he's like floating around yeah, That's it got. It got what, it. I don't. I I don't know his full description. I've never actually heard the whole. Really? No. Well, look. I've up listened the, to it. Actually, I should say I've listened JRE to it. I did listen to that one. I just Travis Walton like three, so four years stories. ago. Again, I just put it in the cup of after I listened to it and I digested it. I believed him, like Tobias said. I don't keep all the receipts of what I believed about him. That's why I'm so bad about when people are like, "Well, tell me why you believe this way." I'm like, I I like pizza. Do you want me to break it down to you? Why I like it? I've been eating my whole life. It's in the bucket of I'm going to eat pizza bread. forever, <laughs> right? Like, um, it's it, that is pizza. how I do it. That's how my mind works, and that's how I make decisions. Is because I've done it enough, and I like it, or I've done enough, and I don't like it, or I've read enough about it, and I believe it, or I've read enough about it, and I don't believe it. You know, that's just how I work. Um, but again, with his, like, 
it was just one of the stories where I was like, yeah, I totally it, – it, it's a weird one to make up at that time. Yeah. It'd be weird to make up all your buddies in the logging crew. What, what How are you going to – like, again, what you're saying with all the testing that all the lie detector tests work, all of the quick investigation work, right? Like, let's just be honest. Like, back then we didn't have as much social media to really disturb people. So in your own little town in Berg and whatever was going on – Something like this happened. Everybody knew about it. Everybody paid attention. And, and it did things got national, done quickly. National news. I know, but I'm saying, like, even if it wouldn't have gone that big that quick, everybody still there would have known about it locally. Mm-hmm. And they did. Yeah, because Travis Walton was literally gone. Right. He disappeared. That's what I'm saying. And then that's, that's ended up and gave his brother a call, like, I don't know how many days later. Yeah. And to keep up, say, if it's a lie, are you going to keep up a lie all these years? It didn't help out his life, right? It didn't no, make it him a better life. Uh, career, probably. <laughs> like Anybody that comes out with a story, it normally, generally ruins their life. It affects yeah. their life in some negative way, whether it's their neighbors don't talk to them, their parents don't talk yeah. to them, their aunts and uncles think they're kooks. Get it's ostracized. not a good thing. But now I don't think, like we were talking about earlier, it's going to become more and more accepted where – you know, whistleblowers and people that have experiences but, are going to be. But if the government already knew about them, if the Eisenhower meeting with the Greys at the Air Force Base actually happened and there was this partnership and then you have people like Travis Walton and who, who knows how many others that were potentially objectives. put through these things because there was this already agreement, like that's going to get sticky. Well, that's the collateral damage that they're worried about now is because if they <laughs> did know about all these craft and these beings and. You've known about this. People have been – there's injuries. There's – people have been affected by careers, these experiences. There's careers. There's – Probably people silenced. They're accountable, yeah. which is why you have so much collateral damage. Why it's taken so long for this to come out yeah. is because somebody's got to pay for all of these lives that have been affected by – Or they need to die off before they have to pay the piper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people that have discredited others in the media – um, you know, I love talking about Mothman and, and the one of the more less known stories about these Mothman type creatures mm-hmm. is we actually learned more on the topic at Frogman Festival from your presentation on the Mothman of Lake Michigan, which I had mm-hmm. heard a tiny bit about, but you went into such great detail. I mean, that presentation was so slick and on point. It just blew my mind. So, I mean, I would say you're the Lake Michigan Mothman expert. Yeah. Tobias, I, I've never seen more a more comprehensive deep dive than what you gave us. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and kind of give us, a, a, I guess, an overview of that whole, un, that whole series of events? Sure. Well, I mean, first of all, thank you. Uh, that's, that's really nice to hear. Uh, and uh, my introduction to winged humanoid sightings uh, around Lake Michigan, uh, and that is to say every state bordering the, the, the Great Lake, right, mm-hmm. um, began in spring of 2017. I saw this uh, trio of uh, sighting reports come through the uh, Mutual UFO Network case management system. And at the time, uh, MUFON had written a, a short article uh, on them. They didn't have a lot of info. And, uh, and so I picked it up because I was writing news for the Singaporean Society, and I thought it would make an interesting little article, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of tie it into the, the Mothman sightings from the 60s, and, and that would be it, right? Well, that's not what happened. Uh, as soon as those sightings came out, then 
there was this deluge of of sighting reports. Um, they just kept coming in, uh, and they were coming in with such rapidity that it was difficult to, to follow. Uh, they were coming in wow. mostly to uh, to places like Phantoms and Monsters, which is Lon Strickler's blog, and then a, a website, UFO Clearinghouse, uh, run by a guy named Manuel Navarrete. And so I saw all these sighting uh, reports coming into mostly these two guys. And so I reached out to them separately and, uh, and I thought I, I, I better interview them. And, uh, and they both uh, very graciously agreed to be interviewed. And, uh, and I, I interviewed them in consecutive months. It was June and July of, of 2017. And uh, they both seemed uh, fairly, um, you know, forthright in terms of their testimony regarding these sightings and sort of their work investigating them. Um, I didn't see a real heavy bias towards a particular narrative other than that. Uh, it was sort of weighted towards um, uh, any number of paranormal explanations rather than a real strict focus on mm. debunking. But, you know, skeptical enough, I think, to to satisfy me at that time. And, uh, and it wasn't too long after that, that, uh, you know, we all sort of figured out how close Emily and I were to the sightings. We only live, uh, now we only live about 20 minutes north of the Illinois border at the time, you know, we lived up in Madison, which was maybe like an hour. Uh, so we could get to, to Chicago, uh, within a, a, a couple of hours either way. And, uh, and, you know, Lon's all the way out in Pennsylvania. And so, it was sort of decided that uh, it would be helpful, you know, if if we were to join the investigation, and uh, and so we did, and which ended up making even more sense because it wasn't too long after I started publishing our articles on these that we started to get our own sightings, hmm. and so people would come to to us directly, and uh, and and that was very interesting because that's when it becomes real on some level, you know, it's really one thing to read about a, a sighting, um, you know, read about it in a book or an article or, or hear someone talk about it, you know, somebody else's sighting on a podcast or something. Yeah. But, uh, but when you are face to face with this, this witness and you can see uh, in their eyes, the effect that this experience has had on them, you know, to see another adult, you know, visibly shaking or sweating uh, because they're so afraid to relive this experience that they've had is it's powerful right mm. um and so that that really brought it all home to me in terms of the importance of allowing people the space to present their experiences as authentically as as possible you know um certainly i want to explain what i can uh but if i can't explain something then the best thing i can do is support the people who have experienced it i love that and so that's that's great. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's what I've been trying to do, you know, uh, for the the entirety of this investigation since I've I've, I've been a part of it. Um, you know, there there are some uh, prosaic explanations that that do uh, I think explain some sightings. Uh, for instance, there are a couple of different profiles of sightings. Like the the first profile is a, a daytime sighting of something flying. Uh, relatively far away from the witness uh, with no associated paranormal phenomena, right? A good example of that is in the spring of 2018, there was a young man who was bicycling to work in the uh, Pilsen neighborhood of Chicago. Uh, 
And he had a bicycle helmet that had a GoPro camera on it. And while he was bicycling to work, he noticed this uh, man and woman on a street corner and they were pointing at something and looking at something in the sky. And so naturally curious, he looks up and he sees what he later described to me as either a giant bat or a man in a wingsuit. Hmm. Um, yeah, he, what? And he decided. Right. And and he decided. It's a big that man since, or bat in a wings. That's a big. <laughs> That's uh, sorry. That just broke right. my brain for a minute. Like it's either a really big bat or a man in a like bat wingsuit. Like okay, like all that's right. where his mind went. Right? Yeah, and uh, and he had this GoPro camera on his helmet, so he's like, I'm going to follow this thing for as long as I can till I have to go to work. Um, and he did. And he got a, he got a lot of good footage of it, and he was very very helpful. Um, you know, he sent me the original SD card that the footage was on. Uh, with his help, we were able to isolate. Uh, several good frames that mm. showed this thing. And so we could put that in Photoshop and we blew it up and it was a bird. Mm. It was 100% a bird. Um, <laughs> my guess would be something like a great blue heron. Mm -hmm. uh, something people don't know about the Chicago area is that due to um, climate change and the destruction of their natural wetland habitat, uh, herons are actually roosting in urban areas in numbers that we have never seen before. Oh, wow. Um, you know, yeah. And so I think part of, of what was happening was, you know, people now, yeah, I, I get that people will say things like, well, I've lived here forever. And, you know, I would know if I was seeing a great blue heron flying and it's like, well, would you though? Yeah. Like, would you? Cause this is, a new I don't know thing. that I would. City, seeing, city. Yeah. Right. I mean, we have blue heron. We have a lot of uh, public parks here in Columbus that have beautiful right. giant ponds and you'll see blue herrings yeah. all the time in our city. But right. I think maybe just people aren't so used to seeing wildlife. Well, we grew too, up that, seeing right. blue herons around the lake and right. stuff. Out but of if Grand something lake. moves sure. into your environment, such as that area, that you're like, mm -hmm. we've never had these kind of birds before, and you start seeing them, it'd be like, what right. the hell is that? I'd have the same reaction. They they've always had them, but not in in those numbers. Mm -hmm. And I think it was unusual for people to see them. Well, to see them flying, honestly, because um, most of the time. Uh, you only see those kinds of birds walking around, mm -hmm. you know, like your sandhill cranes. We get a ton of sandhill cranes up here. I see them all the time. They like to hang out in the road um, <laughs> and they're always walking around. You never see them flying ever unless it's during their their migratory period or you're really, really lucky. And they just happen to want to fly to like a new area, you know, to look for food or something. Mm -hmm. Right. And not only but, that, Tobias, but they stand still for hours sometimes, it seems like. I mean, we've seen cranes. My my father uh, lives in Florida, and we visited them uh, last, uh, just for spring break. And uh, we went to the pool. We saw this giant bird, and we're like, I'm like, that's a statue. It's not moving at all. No, they're real. And we sat there and, and watched this thing. It wasn't a herring, but it was just some other kind. Of, it might have been a sandbill. I'm not sure, but this thing was huge. We go to the pool. We come back. It's still there. Still sitting there in the exact same position, and I'm like, "Is that a statue?" And I get up on this thing, and it was, it was a crane yep. type type bird. Yeah, and like you like said, dinosaur. You always see them on the ground, though. You hardly ever see them fly. And it, we we're just waiting for this thing to take off. It never took off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's a good. No, point. they usually will just sort of walk around, and and, and that's it. But uh, right. yeah, so I, I think once you have introduced. 
the birds to this area where they already existed, but but you've yeah. introduced them in numbers that people have never seen before. So all of a sudden you're getting a lot more of these edge cases where people are seeing them flying, which is a relatively rare right. occurrence outside of their normal migratory period. Yep. Um, and so you've got these people who've never probably seen one in in, in the, the air before who are suddenly just blown away. Like what the hell is that crazy thing? <laughs> and, uh, and so we started getting a lot of, of sighting reports based on that. Now I remember specifically when I was talking to this guy, and uh, I was like, well, hey, uh, you know, I've blown this up. It really looks like it could be a bird. I'm going to send you some photographs of different big birds that I, I think it resembles. You know, can you tell me which one you think that uh, it, it it resembles the most? And he picked out the the great blue heron. Hmm. And um, and that was no surprise to me because based on its profile, I thought that's exactly what it had to be. Mm -hmm. And then. And this this part, it broke my heart a little bit. Um, he he apologized as though he was wasting my time, mm. you know. Oh, and no, I no. had to say, no, 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 no. Yeah, you have done me, you've done me a great service here. Yeah. You know, because because of you and because of this sighting, now I have this this evidence that I can apply to all of these other similar sightings. Yep. So I know why they're so different than the other sightings. So yep. the second profile of sightings then, of course, are these nighttime sightings of something that couldn't possibly be a, a misidentified bird if you believe the, the eyewitness testimony. So I'm talking about something, uh, you know, six or seven feet tall with a 12 to 15 foot wingspan, uh, humanoid in shape, uh, glowing red eyes, uh, seen at a, a relatively close di uh, distance, often on the ground before taking off into the air. Mm. Uh, people do report all kinds of uh, associated paranormal phenomena, uh, be it uh, a, a seemingly supernatural sense of fear, the feeling of being hypnotized, uh, the feeling as though this thing is staring into their soul. Uh, they might um, have weird like haunting phenomena that they're experiencing uh outside of of this particular hmm. encounter uh that they don't necessarily connect but is still relevant uh relevant data to me um and so the second profile again like was happening at the same time as we would get all of these like pro uh, th th these first profile sightings it was very difficult for me to reconcile until that pilsen sighting and then all of a sudden i said okay here it is eureka misidentified these are misidentified birds. These are not, mm, you know, yeah. and now, and now we know why, why they are different. Right. So. Well, and I think that's also a good mark of any investigator too, is like, you don't run out there and go, no, no, you didn't see a, a, a blue hair and you, you saw the Mothman, right? You weren't like dummy up kid trying to fit. It you weren't John Keelan. It, not that I'm trying to knock him, but you know, you're not trying to like stew it into it. Right. Which right. is, I think what you have to do, you got to come in, even though you want to believe, you can't come in believing or, or you're not objective and you might as well just write whatever you want then, right? Like, so I think that's so important to come in and really do the work because what you're saying is so valuable. Now you have a, a comparison and a contrast. You can go and apply these forward and it's going to help. Like You can eliminate yeah, the misidentifications. Absolutely. And figure out the anomalies and why it might be. And I, I think people like, and I'm not a huge fan because they do knock on it so much, but like Mick West or Stephen Greenstreet, you know, uh, they are, you know, I, I think even if a UFO, a UFO landed on their front lawn, they might still be like, no, I don't see it. You know, like they are the ardent, right. ardent and, and, but they're needed because they're going to keep people in line. Like, 
from believing everything, like, cause not everything is accurate. Not everything is on point. You know, we got to really right. be diligent about this cause we ultimately just want to understand. And so we can't yeah. let it be a flight of fancy and we can't, you know, dismiss everything. Like we can't be your brother and rolling back to bed with the shadow person <laughs> when they're there. Yeah. And we can't be the person saying there's shadow people everywhere all the time. You know, it, yeah. Right. I mean, in between. Look at Michio Kaku. He's recently just come out and said, I was 100% a skeptic with UFO, aliens, extraterrestrials. He's just said, I'm convinced this is a real phenomenon. I'm convinced there are craft. That's the scientific method. And he has built up and has been inside a a bunch of – he's also frustrated because he keeps getting kind of – these insider folks that same with Weinstein and they bring you along and they bring you along and because they don't want you to ever fully discover. So they kind of lead you on this breadcrumb trail to nowhere because if you're left to your own devices, you're going to get there. So once you Mm -hmm. get to a certain level, it almost seems like of awareness of intelligence of understanding. And in those arenas where if Michio Kaku starts going out and saying, Hey, I believe this. Well, no, instead maybe they were like, Hey, we're going to give you the real story. Don't say anything yet. Maybe they do that for five, 10 years. Cause like, we can't tell you this month or that, you know, you understand it's sensitive. It's, you know, that's easy to kind of like sequester people off and be like, here, I'm going to, I'm going to run interference on this person for like a decade. And I think they're getting tired of it because Weinstein has said he's had the same things happen to him where they're like, we're going to tell you what's going on when the time's right. And yeah. they're frustrated. Maybe I was mixing up him and Weinstein. Anyways. No, it could be, uh, could be Kaku as well, but Weinstein for sure. How many people did you interview for the Lake Michigan Mothman phenomenon? And, and first, was this a period of a couple years or is this still happening? Uh, are you still interviewing people? And if so, what was the the most unique one where you're like, hey, there's something here? Right. That's a good question. Sure. Um, yeah, this is this is ongoing. Uh, it's 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 like I said, like there there are no neat no, narrative yeah. endings to there's this no story. Silver bridge. Um, it just goes on. <laughs> no, it, there isn't. It it goes on and on and on forever because that's how paranormal phenomena actually works yeah. like like they just go on and on and on there's no ending be- great point there, there's no ending to uh these sightings just like there's no ending to yeah i don't know weather patterns right or the waves sun on the beach rising and setting mm-hmm. yeah of course like it just is a thing that happens it will always happen um and then uh boy how many people have i interviewed uh that's a good question quite a few i would say a dozen, two dozen, probably uh, nice. that I personally interviewed. Wow. Um, at, at least that many that I have received, um, like personal info from Lon on that I could verify. Um, you know, to be able to to at least um, say that uh, you know I've seen evidence that this person is who they say they are, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, and then. Um, Let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. What was most I feel like com- there was a third just, part? To- yeah, just the most compelling story okay. or account that really kind of blew your socks off where you're like, hey, this is worth continuing this trail at least and, and keep at this. There are so many. Um, but if you want an early one, uh, there was a sighting in McGuanago, Wisconsin, which is a little it's a rural town outside of Milwaukee. And um and I, I went out there with uh, Emily. The, the witness um, agreed to let us come out to the sighting area and, uh, and said he would show us around. And uh, his, his story was basically that um, 
he was driving home one night. He he lived with his parents uh, out in you know in this middle of nowhere. Basically, it's a fairly rural area. There were some there are some houses, but otherwise it's mostly you know uh, woods and, and farm fields. And uh, he's driving home, and he gets home, and he's talking on the phone with his friend, and he's like, "Well, I don't want to go inside and wake up my parents. So I'm just going to back my van into our driveway, it's sort of a, a longer gravel driveway." And um, with a little turnaround at the end. And uh, and so he does. He backs in like he always did. He's just sitting there talking on the phone with his friend. And the only light is this uh, lamppost at the end of their driveway, which is about 50 feet away because I measured it once I got there. Mm-hmm. And uh, otherwise, there really there was no moon or, or stars or anything. It was cloudy. It had been misting all day. And uh, and so he's sitting there and it it takes him a minute but at some point while he is talking to his friend he notices that there seems to be uh an outline of something standing in front of his van sort of backlit by by this lamp right like the the light from this lamp and so he does what i think a lot of people would do he turns his headlights on to see (laughs) what the heck is standing in front of him right and uh and he sees what he later described as this, you know, seven or eight foot tall humanoid being um, with these large, like leathery wings. And he described how um, it was kind of standing there and it had its wings like wrapped around itself, sort of like how a bat will wrap mm. its wings around itself. Yep. And it, it was it was staring at him uh, with these these big black eyes and um and he's staring at it and it's staring at him and he's telling his friend what's happening while it's happening. And his friend is just like, it, well, his friend thinks he's full of it at, <laughs> at first, thinks he's, 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 you know, pulling a prank or something. Right. Um, and it, it takes a second for his friend to be like, wait, are you, are, are you actually serious? Is this really happening? And, um, and as the guy's looking at this thing, he said that it blurred and then it was gone. And so he didn't know if that meant that, you know, it like teleported, or, um, you know, if it uh, shot up into the air or just somehow moved so quickly that his eye couldn't follow it, I, I don't know. But it blurred and then it was gone. What? And um, yeah, at that point, you know, he was like, well, you know, uh, F this, I'm going to go inside. I was about know? to sleep in and, my van uh, and lock the doors. <laughs> no, he's just, he, he runs inside Jeez, um, once, once, once it's gone. Um, and then, you know, like, like I said, Emily and I got to go out there. And yeah, like that story is incredible. Right. Um, it sounds too bizarre to, to, to be real. But when you're face to face with this this person and it is a beautiful spring day in Wisconsin, that's it. And he's literally like shaking and sweating, um, telling this story to strangers that he invited over to his home, you know, mm-hmm. which is already nerve wracking enough. Yeah. Um, but to see somebody relive that um, that kind of. Uh, you know, earth shattering, paradigm redefining uh, fear um, is is all too real. You know, Re- regardless of what you think happened, um, it uh, it had a real effect on him, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's something that we have to take seriously. And it's because of that, and because of all of the many other witnesses with whom I have personally spoken. Uh, that have had similar experiences with similar effects, you know, bordering on trauma in some cases. Oh yeah, um, that's what keeps me going. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the reason that 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 I do this. It's why I feel I have to do it. 
You yeah. Know? And they're physically showing you that they're upset. They're sweating. They're shaking. I mean, you know. Well, you can't help those responses because that memory is body language like is so tied much, to it, right? You know, if you get good at reading body language, you can really get a sense of this guy's bullshit me. This person's serious. This person is. There's just there's a fear is coming through. I mean, there's an authenticity now. Unless they're a complete psychopath and they can lie directly into your eyes and, and paint Mr. this Ripley. whole. Yeah, exactly. Those people are very, very rare in society. And the fact that what does this guy, have, this psychopath, if, if he is, what does he have to gain? And you start going through this whole process of why would this guy invite me all the way out to his house? He's yeah. already freaked out that I'm in his home. You know, it's just like there's a lot of those things that I always think of when it's coming to Bigfoot eyewitnesses and, and interviews that you see of these people are upset. They're genuinely freaked out. Some people have yeah. nightmares for years about these like things. Like he's saying, PTSD. You yeah. know, might need to go to therapy. I mean, was it Whitley Strieber? Did he do some – wasn't he doing some after his experience from the movie Communion? I felt, feel like he was going and trying to Hip, hypnotize do hypnotize yeah, yeah, and go yes. through it. And that is, you know – Again, like it, it seems like a lot of times those memories are blurred out or That's blocked out for a book. reason, right? Like we probably can't handle a lot of it or it's not meant for us and in that way. And so that's why it's like kind of like sequestered off and, you know, Dr. Xavier puts a wall around it, you know, so we can't touch it or get to it. And somehow when we go to these sessions of hypnotism, we get back to it. But like, yep. that's the whole biophysiological feedback too, of when you're talking to somebody that has had a real experience, I feel it's very similar to like, say you catch a video of somebody biting it on a mountain bike and you viscerally feel that pain of them, right? Because you know that pain somehow and your body has that memory of it. So when you're talking to somebody that you think is legitimate because of what you're reading in their body language and their overall affect and appearance, maybe that is because that imprint is really roaring back to life and the memory bank is like firing back up to that state of that time. So in that state, they were probably in the same height and like their heart rate was probably going off the charts. Like they were probably, you know, very anxious fight or flight, like adrenaline going through the body. So I would think going back and recalling those stories even and a lot for like even victims of not even cryptids, but, you know, trauma in life you see a lot of the similar presentations. If you would hook them up to an EKG or a pulse ox or a blood pressure and have it going, you'd see all those numbers kick off. Even in, even when people are calm, those numbers will kick up. Even if they're good at keeping themselves under control and have dealt with what they've uh, experienced. It takes a lot of training to do that. Yeah. To, to be able to, you know, CIA agents do it. They know how to regulate their body temperature and their heart rate so they it's can lie directly so into your difficult. Fate. It's a, either really, really highly trained or you're a psychopath. Well, just think of somebody it's flattering like you or saying common. a compliment and you feel the flush that you can't stop it. And you know your face is turning red and this I mean there are certain ways oh, to yeah. push those buttons. Right. And that's what they know how to like stop, which is amazing. But yeah, so for people that aren't trained to do that and just had an encounter and they come up and are talking to Tobias, he's probably, I mean, yeah, they're just full giving you a report through their overall Demeanor, body language. Body, body language. language says so much. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, 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 like you all said, I mean, it would be seemingly very difficult for, for someone to fake that kind of, of impact, you know, and, and reliving that experience and you know for for somebody like me who 
got into this field because of my own experiences. Um, it really means something to me to be able to, to just to do my part, to, to be able to, to try to help people in whatever way I can, you know, even if, if that is uh, just being a means of, of catharsis. You know, so many people come to me and they want answers. Mm. And I have to tell them, look, um, if this is an authentic paranormal experience, then I can tell you some popular theories. Uh, I can tell you what what some people you know think might be possible, but only con men and crazy people are going to tell you that they know the truth about what's happening here. Mm, so you point. need to understand that. Good right. point. You know, I I can't say with any certainty what what really happened. That's very admirable again because there are a lot of people that do think, well, this draws to that, and so this means that. And it's like until you prove it. Whether science does or whether some amateur does, I don't care who it does it, but until we can nail down a lot of things, it's like it's theory, and I'm fine with that. And there can be multiple competing theories, and may the best theory win. But when we get to it, then we have to accept that theory is now put into practice and it's an accepted widely. But, you know, until then, I like how you're saying, like, I can give you some kind of like maybe good general directions that it might be going, but I can't give you a definitive. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, you know what? Uh, give me one second. I can see that I'm losing my natural light here. So I'm oh, okay. fading away like a shadow person. No problem. I'm going to turn my light on. <laughs> no Tobias, worries. We Tobias became it. a shadow person. Yeah. <laughs> the sun's going down. Well, this happened yesterday, too. Remember, we were, like, yeah, we were fighting light yesterday. Uh, with Zeus and Holland. Yeah. God dang, that's too funny. Nice. Well okay. done. Well done. Thank you for, for bearing yeah. with me there. No, no problem. Great. Great job. Uh, you know, I did notice on your, uh, I've been, like I said, we've been digging into your, into the, the singular 40 and website for a while now. And I noticed that you guys have a section on your site experiences and there's quite a few interesting stories that you guys document. Is there one in that tab? And again, we'll have all the links in the show for anybody that wants to check out Absolutely. Tobias and, and his Please wife go check and out everything stuff. that they've got going on because it's a great site. And you guys do. And it's a beautiful site. It's easy to get around. It's really well done. And if you're looking um, for a good cryptid paranormal fix, yeah, go check it out. But is there anything in that section? Uh, you guys did an investigation in a, I want to say, a hotel. Um, I, I wish I had the list in front of me. I guess I could look it up on my phone. But there was a few I, that I, I was digging just in. did because I, I, I was like, man, I should look because otherwise I'm going to forget <laughs> like I have a Boy, there are, you know, there's some interesting ones in here. Um, obviously, my uh, my own personal shadow person uh, experience is is in there, and that's that was an interesting one to me. But setting yeah. that aside, um, boy, there are uh, there are, there have been some some fascinating experiences. Um, I think one of the ones just looking at this list, uh, the Al Ringling Mansion. That's mm. one. That, oh. I think that might have been one of the first, if not the first, uh, investigation that Emily and I ever went on together. And uh, it was at the Al Ringling Mansion up in Baraboo, Wisconsin. And um, it's supposedly haunted. Uh, and, uh, and we've seen some evidence that, that very strange things happen there. And, uh, and in fact, one of the weirdest and most interesting like physical uh, phenomena that, that we ever experienced was, was at the Al Ringling Mansion. So, so Emily and I are there. We're on our first uh, in investigation. We're, we're being shown around. Uh, by this uh, this guide, basically, um, who's taking us to all of these different rooms, sort of telling us the, the stories behind them. And 
Emily, uh, she brings her her camera because she's a, a professional photographer, and oh, cool. um, and so she's got her like her flash and everything uh, because we were shooting inside, and she's kind of behind me and she's taking pictures and whatever. And as I'm I'm uh, listening to this person, I I see out of the corner of my eye, like her flash keeps going off and she keeps taking photographs. And at a certain point, I'm just like, dude, would you knock that off (laughs) right in my face? And, uh, and I turn around and she's, she's sitting there and she's looking at me totally befuddled. She has her flash disconnected from her camera. Um, there's, there's no batteries in it. And she's, and she, yeah, she's just looking at me like with her mouth open, like, I don't know what to do. And the flash, it just keeps going off. It just keeps going off. Like there's what? no power source for it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and that, that was completely bizarre. Uh, this is the same place that we actually ended up getting married at, interestingly enough. So we got All married. All right. On, I like how you party. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> right? Like we, we, we got married in this in this haunted mansion yes. on uh, Friday the 13th. Oh, my uh, God. In October of, of 2017. So Friday the 13th in October in this haunted mansion. I'm amazing. high-fiving and, you the um, next time I see you in real life. Like, the Jesus, man. Nice. That's great. That's the trifecta. It was, I mean, it was, it was a great experience, uh, all around. We ended up uh, becoming friends with the owner. And so when, awesome. when we were planning our wedding, he was like, you know, we, so, like, we sometimes rent out the ballroom here and I'll cut you a deal. And obvi- obviously that was a no brainer for us. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, and so at our, our wedding, actually, um, a friend of ours was filming our first dance. Right. And, um, later after you know after the, the wedding was over she sent us this footage and she was like hey who's this guy in the background like doesn't he look weird and we looked at it and there's this pale white like completely white guy like i'm pretty pale but <laughs> this guy was like completely like no color like none um and he kind of walks behind us and then is gone right and and we all thought that that was weird because nobody recognized him. It didn't look like anybody who was supposed to be there. Uh, we actually asked the owner, and he was like, "That dude doesn't work for me. I don't know who that is." So, oh, wedding crasher! Wedding crasher! I was going to say Wilson. <laughs> well, and, and 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 what was weird about it was Emily took it and she uh, she inverted it, and so what what she wanted to do was see exactly how pale this guy was. Right? Okay. So um, you know, like basically, if. Uh, the the paler something is the 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 blacker it'll look once once mm-hmm. she does this yeah and uh, and so she did it and so like you know like me again like fairly pasty white guy I was I was like bluish you know which is about as as dark as you would expect of you know a fair skinned person to get mm-hmm. this guy pure black mm. completely black like unnaturally impossibly pale interesting. Right? Think it was Mr. Torrance and, just checking in on the place? Yeah, I I don't know, but it it seemed like the shining. This person had captured our friend had captured a ghost yes. walking behind us during our our first dance in this haunted mansion. Wow! So I, Especially the yeah, timing that too was, that it was the first dance, and it wasn't just like some random ah. square dance or like the electric slide. It'd be a kind of funny if it was the elect during the electric slide or something. <laughs> did you? Right? It, We're all was, doing the chicken dance. Was <laughs> it just the reception there, or did like you guys stay there overnight as guests, or was it just, yeah. just the wedding reception we and had, then you stayed somewhere else? We well, we 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 didn't sleep there. Um, okay. They didn't have the the B and B open at that time, so we had the ceremony there and the reception there, and then we left to go sleep somewhere else. 
Wow, that's so cool, man. That's I mean, that's like the next step for us here would be like, you know, Mansfield prison wedding style. Like, yeah, I'm not I sure don't my know wife that any, would go for I that. I don't know that anybody's done that. I could see people <laughs> oh, yeah, going sure for that. Yeah. Well, they have oh, like sure. Rock on the Asylum or whatever it used yeah. to be. They'd have, you know, like, people go through there on Halloween. I still have not done that. That might have to happen at some point in my life. Have you ever been there, Tobias, or know anything about that? The Mansfield, where is it? Uh, Mansfield Reformatory here. and So it's where they did the Shawshank mm-hmm. uh, Redemption filming oh, uh, okay. for the film. And it's cool. highly... Uh, active from what people say i mean they do night tours you can go through there and like it's a big draw but like i've heard people like nope i'm not doing that again it's i'm like what happened there? haunted like, places in america yeah for sure yeah like smelling um certain cells walking by them smelling like burning like if if somebody had been assaulted or yeah. different things or yeah just just a number of creepy things where i'm like <laughs> I don't think I'm doing the night tour. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm still relying on the lights inside there. I don't think they had a lot of windows to shine in for the prisoners, but, you know, uh, right. yeah. I think I'd still go during the daytime. It, fe- it feels safer for some reason. I don't know. Just darkness feels like not our element, kind of like water. I, you know, I don't do good in swimming right. uh, compared to anything, and I can't see that well in the dark. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's everybody. I mean, we are a diurnal species, you know, yep. like we we don't have night vision. That's not that's not our thing. No, nope. like fire. Discovering fire was a big deal for a reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think that that makes sense. I, you know, when, when people get scared or they ask me if they're in danger, um, I usually tell them the same thing that I've been telling myself for years. If if whatever these things are, whatever these, these phenomena are, um, if we were going to be hurt, we'd be hurt by now. Uh Right. Good point. And so, um, I don't think that there's really much danger to investigating something at night in terms of the paranormal phenomenon itself that might Mm -hmm. be present. Um, now a building becomes more dangerous at night. uh, You're walking around in the dark because you can fall down the stairs or, you know, bang your head on something. Yeah. Sure. If know, it's derelict, but, you can fall through the floor. Yeah, or, that's, that's those yeah. are solid points for anybody thinking about going. Some old haunted like warehouse you get asbestos in. <laughs> Have you done I mean, it? Yeah, I mean, you, you really never know. Have you done anything like that? Gone out on any research trips of that nature? Ghost investigations, or is that oh, any sure. kind? Of, okay. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't discriminate. Uh, nice. We investigate everything, and so yeah, I, I've been to some some haunted locations. Uh, uh, I've been to, uh, the Farrar schoolhouse out, out in Iowa. That was interesting. Um, I'm unfamiliar with we that. We did what? some, uh, what's it's what? a, it's an old schoolhouse that's basic. Well, like a lot of these places, it's the only thing it's used for now is paranormal, uh, in investigations. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a schoolhouse that, uh, that shut down and people think that it's haunted. I don't know. And I should ask because uh, I think it was uh, uh, Richard Estep wrote a book on it, and um, we're going to be at the same conference up in uh, Glen Beulah, Wisconsin, nice. in September. And I like Richard; I've hung out with him before, and, and we communicate online. And I need to ask him why people think Farrar is haunted because I honestly don't know. Um, I, I don't know of anybody who has like died there or or anything else like because for instance like let's say you went to the school even if you really liked the school when you died would you go haunt that school right you know like you couldn't get me out of school fast enough right right why would you go back to school where we're all bored out of our minds and teachers yelled at us and got detentions all the time yeah no (laughs) right we but, were going to trouble that, chariots of fire every summer that they let us out. Dun 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 dun. 
you know, <laughs> get me out of here. And and yet, like despite that, while we were there, um, we definitely experienced some things that were very um, unusual. You know, strange moving shadows, uh, bizarre messages coming through a, a, a spirit box. You know, like stuff that uh, that's not easy to dismiss. Yeah, uh, just offhand, right? Yeah. Um, and so that was a very interesting place. Uh, most recently, uh, we went to um, Broadhead Manor. So that's just oh. that's just north of us. Like I had never heard of it. Um, I didn't know that this place existed. It's literally like ten minutes from our house, and we found out about it uh, from our friend uh, Nick Simons. So Nick Simons, uh, he was on that uh, Netflix show, The Twenty Eight Days Haunted, oh. and uh, and he does a lot of paranormal investigating, of course, and uh, and so he told us about this this uh this weird again it's it's an old school i guess that uh, they were gonna have a conference there and he was like well you guys should go to this conference because i'm gonna be there and it's like 10 minutes from your house and that seemed like a great idea so so we were gonna go and he was like if you want to check it out like i'm gonna be up there and we can just you know we can have the the, the run of this place because i know the owner and so we show up and we meet the owner and he was a really nice guy and um and we get to go wander uh around this uh reputedly haunted school again right and uh and again it was a very interesting place and uh there were some messages that were coming through uh you know uh spirit boxes and things that were very difficult to dismiss you know um i didn't see anything like i did at at farrar or any of the other places we've or some of the other places that that we've been at but um but again, you know, it's it's difficult when you're when, when you're asking a question and it is answered immediately in a way that um, can't be mistaken for mm-hmm. you know any kind of like you know audio pareidolia or something, right? Sure, sure. Um, it's uh, it's it's difficult to just dismiss that out of hand. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, like I we've we've definitely been to some places uh, and 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 they've been really interesting. I. I have to admit, though, um, Emily is way more into ghosts than 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 I am. Yeah. Um, usually, like if it's if it's just ghosts, you know, if we're going to go to a place and it's just ghosts, I'm like, it really just goes. Like, are you sure that like a UFO <laughs> never landed there or something like that? You know, like that's I you know like nobody ever saw a monster that yeah. defies everything we know about biology or something. If yeah. UFOs so start, funny. if UFOs and ghosts start intermingling, then it's really game on. <laughs> Do you have any pets? Do you have a dog, cat, any animals? We have two dogs, two cats, and one lizard. And my question regarding this and why I drove this way, you being the magnet of the the weird and the strange and the shadow people, etc., do your animals ever react strangely around you? Do you ever notice your animals acting strange behavior? Because I know a lot of times people have said, and our friend's mother, her her two dogs and kind of her house and the things that would go on of them just staring in certain corners and being really upset or almost seeming like they were like, you know, they were aware of something. Have have your animals ever had anything like that or no? No, it's interesting that you mentioned that um, because I've definitely heard of that before, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's never Mm -hmm. happened um, ever. In fact, like at our, our old place uh, when we still lived in, in Madison, um, I had a couple of really bizarre disturbing uh nighttime visitation events there and emily's sleeping right next to me bullet uh, who was our only dog at the time was asleep at like the foot of the bed neither of them seemed to wake up or do anything wow just (laughs) slept right through it 
Well, maybe they know you've got it under control. <laughs> and so all the pets are like, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> He's, He's got, got it. Dad's got guy. it. It's all good. Yeah, He's right. the man. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe. I don't know. Uh, this has been great. Uh, I mean, I want to start kind of leading out into the direction of, of, you know, wrapping this buddy up. But one of our big passions, Tobias, is ancient civilizations in America, mounds, earthworks, ancient sites, and just the, the fact that nobody knows really the true ancient history of what we have. In, and you guys in Wisconsin in particular, you guys have thousands of ancient sites and mounds. Do you ever have any stories about anything paranormal or you? UFOs around earthworks are like crop circles. Here we have crop circles that pop up near, say, Serpent Mound and places yep. like that. Um, the 20th anniversary of the Serpent Mound crop circle is coming up in August 23rd, and and we've been kind of digging into the subject a little bit, but it's been popping up lately. Just curious if you had any stories or anybody that's ever come to you. It's like, hey, I was at this mound site and a UFO popped up or anything like that. Sure. Um yeah, we do. We have a lot of indigenous mounds here. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them were destroyed. Yep. yep. Um, Same here. <laughs> you know, due to agriculture and and uh, and stuff like that. But um, but there are a lot that have survived, and a few of those are in Forest Hill Cemetery in up in in Madison here. And uh, Forest Hill Cemetery is a reputedly haunted cemetery. And, uh, and so I guess, um, if you, if you want a connection there, there's one there because these mounds predate the, uh, the, the cemetery by, mm-hmm. um, centuries, yeah. you know, like they were there for a thousand, 2000 years before, uh, this cemetery was built around it in like the 19th century. Right. Um, but ever since, uh, the, the, uh, cemetery was, was built, um, it has been accumulating, these paranormal stories surrounding it, you know? And so people will talk about, um, you know, seeing, uh, 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 seeing a woman in white, uh, which is a pretty common urban legend too. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know how seriously to take that, Yeah, but, um, you know, they'll, they'll talk about feeling, um, just strange feelings in different parts of the cemetery or seeing weird mists or, or, you know, similar things. And having been there, uh, something definitely feels, uh, or I should say something resonates about that place. You know, uh, there's, there's a heaviness to the, the air out there. And I don't know if that was the case prior to the cemetery being built. And, uh, and, and that's why the mounds are there, or mm-hmm. maybe it's because of the mounds or something similar. Cause, cause these, these are burial mounds. And so there right. are remains in them, you know? Um, so I, I, I couldn't say for sure what, what the connection is there, but there is this real, emotional weight to to this place that i think people pick up on 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 some psychic level if nothing yeah. else that um that contributes to its its reputation as as being haunted because i've experienced it mm. you know and um you know it could be that there are certain areas you know like certain geographic areas that um have this this kind of energy to them and that's why they're chosen as as burial spots totally um or or it could be that the uh cumulative weight of all of the emotion that we pour into uh how we process and uh and mourn death 
um, uh, accumulates over time. And that's what we're feeling. I, I, I don't know. We can only speculate, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's, there, there's something, there's something weird about it. Yeah. We have the Chillicothe cemetery, which is built right on top of two ancient burial mounds in Chillicothe, Ohio. And you just walk right into that cemetery and it's built on giant mound structure and multiple places in Ohio where people just gravitated toward their already burial sites. It's so fascinating. They've been there forever, forever, and then modern people come along and they put their cemetery right on top of it. It's very, very common. Believe it or not, I mean, we have those all over Ohio, and, and the one in Chillicothe apparently is haunted because it's a disturbed burial mound. So Interesting. very, very fascinating that we have a kind of a correlation in two different states of, of a similar phenomenon. So it's wild. Oh, definitely. I mean— it uh, it really makes you wonder if there is some some human element, like what what the connection is, what's inspiring us mm-hmm. um, a, a, across cultures, yeah. you know, and 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 vast swaths of time to to bury our dead in the same place. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. It's like, it's like uh, um, man. You know, we wonder about these certain turtles and how do they know how to navigate and lay their eggs here, or this or that, and they're homing navigate. Maybe we have a navigation system we're not aware of. Yeah, I'm sure. And it, it's called the next step, and that's why we go to these places and these sacred sites, and people go, "Hey, you knew what was up. I'm going to use this site too." What? Maybe there's something to that. That's maybe the gateways to Passover. Who knows? Yeah, portals, or yeah. we're drawn there energetically for something. I mean, it's yeah. all speculation. It seems like there's a homing system built in on us to find them. There and are seek spots those out on the earth final rest that are place. just weird. Yeah. I mean, Ohio, pure and simple. I mean, we've got so many strange places that it's fairly strange. Going here. back to pioneer times, there's always been phenomenon in those areas. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's accumulates over time where you can't discount. When it's yeah. so many different areas of uh, you know people coming through that area and and their story after story after story, it's I hard always to thought deny. the most unique thing that we would ever know in our lives of growing up in Ohio. I'm not joking. Was that Annie Oakley was wow. buried down the road from Were us? We yeah, she was. Where we grew up, she's buried down the road. Yep. So I thought this is That's what cool. puts Ohio on the map forever <laughs> to me. And then I've discovered so much, you know, yeah. going out with Mike and Kyle and doing some of the stuff with Serpent Mound and going to some of these mound sites and then just peeling those layers and keep digging and keep digging. And yeah. you find more and more and you're like the Newark Holies. It just like he's saying, like. I think you brought it to my awareness more than anything of, of yeah. just saying it of like how strange Ohio is. Cause I'm like, again, like if I really thought about it, I was like, yeah, hey, we got Annie Oakley. It's kind of cool. And John then it's Dillinger. like, no, we got a ton of stuff here. Yeah. I mean, John there's a Dillinger lot of legends. Here. That's yeah. That's, it's way beyond that. It's an ancient civil, the land of a very advanced ancient civilization. Yeah. These river valleys are majestic. You know, mm-hmm. we're uh, looked over as a flyover state in Wisconsin, very similar sure. thing. <laughs> you know, people come yeah. to Wisconsin. Me and my dad drove through Wisconsin. Minnesota. We have family in Minnesota in St. Okay. Paul. And so we drove up through uh, Madison all the way through to, to get up there. And then from the wedding in Minnesota, drove all the way across the country to another wedding in uh, Sonoma, California. It was an amazing trip. But driving through some of those areas of Wisconsin, it is unbelievably beautiful. Yeah, man. I mean, unreal. This one section of highway, these bluffs, these big rock structures, these, uh, I don't know, they're like 
hill, but pure granite just looks like mm. these rock faces that and every just trees everywhere. They have a lot of trees. It's it's just a vibe about Wisconsin when you drive through it. it it's a beautiful yes. state. We have well, it, it's because of the uh, the glaciers that moved through here, you know, forever ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have these these massive uh, like moraines and things, yeah. and uh, yeah, like we'll. We don't care. We'll build a highway right through the middle of one. We'll just yeah. cut a hole in it, you know, and then it's fine. Just don't worry about it. Hey, nothing to see here. Don't worry about it. I have a question, yeah. non-cryptid related or paranormal or anything, but just question. In Wisconsin, did it start in Wisconsin or Minnesota, the Juicy Lucy, the cheeseburger stuffed with it's the Minnesota, cheese in the middle? Minnesota, St. Paul. I've Is been it there. Minnesota? Yeah, it's I, Minnesota. I don't think that's Wisconsin. That's that not sounds like something people here would like. It's oh, my gosh. Well, me and my dad went there. Yeah. The home of the Juicy Lucy. They're delicious. It, it burnt my tongue. The cheese curds in Green Bay were amazing. Yeah. but We have the best cheese curds. Yes. That's true. I assume you're a Packers fan. No, actually, I am I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Oh, my God. Nice. And living Close in the yeah, holy I, land of, of Lambo? Well, I, my, my family <laughs> is from yeah. Illinois. Oh, and gotcha. so we moved up here when I was in grade school, but gotcha. we had always been Bears fans, and I wasn't going to change. Yeah. yeah. All right. Chicago's so close. So, All right. It's we right can there. put friendly wagers every year on the Packers-Bears games now, then. <laughs> I, I'm a lifelong Packers fan by default. If I okay. wasn't, I think I would have been put out on the roadside and collected by the next car going by. But... <laughs> But, um, yeah, the Bears might actually be good coming up. So I, I mean, I historically, so. hey. since there were a couple of years, maybe 2005 and 2006, and then maybe 2010, where I I would bet on 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 the Bears. But I'm pretty, I, I'm generally pretty realistic. Otherwise, well, you got a Buckeye so, as like, your quarterback. Dude. I was about to say you got Justin Fields. He's got got a Buckeye. I good. think that kid's going to be a winner. I do. Yeah. I really do. Like anybody who people want to talk about his passing stats ad nauseum, which is ridiculous because if you look at the Bears line last year, you look at their receivers. Uh, they had nothing. Like yeah. that kid was yeah. whole offense. Oh my! God. It was like him and Cole Komet, and like that's yeah. it. Yeah. And so I, I guess uh, 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 Darnell Mooney is fine, but he's not a he's not a number one. You know, yeah. he's not a number one receiver. And so I think he's going to shine now that we got DJ Moore. He can you know he can be the number one uh, receiver. That takes a lot of pressure off Mooney. You know, he's going to be a great guy to like stretch the field. But the fact is. Justin Fields was the entire offense. He had nobody to throw mm-hmm. to and no time to throw it if, you know, even if he did. Yeah. And so, yeah, the fact that he had so many rushing yards um instead of sacks, I think tells you everything mm-hmm. you need to know about him. Yep. Yeah. Like he is that kid's a baller. He's going to be great. He's a good I hope too. so. I hope so. And it's good timing cuz now the Packers are kind of restarting and yep, the got Bears Jordan Love coming oh, in yeah. are on the up and coming I, and I can't tell you how much I love another Hall of Fame Packers quarterback going, going to the Jets. Jets That's so reason. weird. Like, they, yeah. Do the Packers have a relationship with them? Because it's two in a row. Yeah. Like, well, weird. they never want to send anybody to the, you know, they don't want to send them to the Vikings oh. right away. Because Favre, when he left, wanted to go to the Vikings right away. And he did a year later. Yeah. Right. He yeah. wanted to come back. And and I was a Favre fan. But I'll tell you, like, I, I love Rodgers too. But when you're leaving, I, hey, man, cool, let's go. Far kind of held the team hostage every year and it would affect their draft picks and maybe I'm coming back, maybe I'm not. And it's like, dude, you're you're not endearing yourself to your audience here at all. Like by any means. Like right. thankful for what you did for the organization and victories and exciting nights. I this is one of my favorite stories. Overtime game. I'm working night shift at the ICU. Right. I got a guy in Halo traction. He can't oh, talk. No. He can't do anything. He's like literally like one of the guys from the movies, like arm up oh, in this no. one. And so I'm in there like doing care. 
and it's I think it was the Bears Packers Monday night football game. It was like the first play of overtime, and Brett Favre was still playing, and he threw like a straight up like seventy yard bomb on the first play of overtime for this touchdown. And I start screaming in this room. I'm like, <laughs> go, go, go! And all these nurses and all these PCAs come running in because they think my guy is like dying. they think I'm screaming. And this guy is laughing, but he can't do much more than just like have <laughs> bubbles come out. But he's fully there with me, and I'm like, oh my oh, god, man. like this is so embarrassing. I'm a brand new nurse, and this guy's just laughing his butt off about mm-hmm. it and i'm like don't tell anybody about this day. when you get the chance to yeah that's, that's so funny nice but yeah you know you got to go when it's time to go so we'll see what happens with the rivalry uh as it continues with yeah. you got justin fields and jordan love so yeah well yeah, too young I, I, I will tell you this, though if the packers somehow get like fall ass backwards into a third hall of fame quarterback I'm just going to give up on the NFL. I'm going to quit because it's clearly rigged. Like that should be, that has to be impossible. So I'm 40 and the first quarterback that I remember for the Packers was Mikowski. And then he was, he was up and coming and then he got hurt. And then we had Anthony Dillwig and a couple replacements maybe. And then we got Favre and from there it's been Favre and Rogers really, you know, and it's, yeah, it's talk about being spoiled. Oh God. Yeah. Being absolutely spoiled, but. I digress way too much on that, anyway. but thank you for entertaining me on those questions. Right. So welcome to paranormal sports talk. Radio. Yeah, right. <laughs> we have never talked about football probably ever on the show. So this is great. I'm glad. Hey, it happened at the end. Perfect yeah, timing. Yeah. It's a good way to, yeah, way to, absolutely. to connect on. So we'll have to make a wager somehow beyond. on these games. It'll be, you know, Oh, for sure. I'll, I'll figure out something. We'll set something yeah, up. Absolutely. That's so much fun. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, and Tobias, we always kind of, you know, let our guests know uh, a little bit about our background. We're a video production company as well, and we always want to offer uh, and extend uh, any help that you guys may ever need capturing something. Or, yep. uh, you know, we, we'd love to come out if you ever had a project that you were interested in doing but didn't have camera gear or audio guys or, or people that you, you had connections with to help out with something like that. Yep. Hit us up. Let us know. We're always looking for a cool project uh, we got a couple things cooking with some folks right now but um yeah it's uh we're just interested in you're out there you're you're getting after it you and emily you're are on the ground it. yeah and those are the people that we want to connect with so uh again much love to you yeah thank you so much for doing the show thank you so much for what you're doing with singular 40 and society and everything that you guys have cooking over there and uh you know this has been great we've had so much fun and just let us know where we can find you. And if you want to leave our audience with anything as an outro of uh, if you have any last words. Sure. Well, I mean, thank you so much for for having me. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, and thank you for that offer, because that is something I could potentially use. You just never know that, you know, that's so far outside of my own skill set that as a writer, especially that that's that's just fantastic. Um, if people are interested in uh, in learning more about me or about what Emily and I do, uh, you can find the Singular 40 in Society at singular40in.com. Uh, you can also find us at uh, uh, pretty much every social media platform. It's always going to be at Singular 40 in. So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Tumblr, Instagram, TikTok. It's all at Singular 40 in. And uh, if you're interested in any of my books, of course, you can find those through Amazon, uh, 
you know, many major book uh, retailers, or you can buy them directly through our website as well. Um, and if I have any last words, I suppose uh, it would be for people, anybody listening to this, just to know that there are people who do take you seriously, who aren't going to laugh at you. And I sincerely hope that if it brings you comfort, uh, you find the courage to talk about your experiences. Beautiful, well beautiful put. man, well man, put. It's a good message. And yeah, absolutely. And uh, once again, thank you so very much for coming yeah. on the show. Uh, like I said, don't go anywhere. We're going to outro the show. We'll come back and and uh, we'll have a little chat post-show. And we'll be right back, Tobias. Uh, once again, much love. Thank you. See you, buddy. Thanks. Awesome, Awesome. Dude. That was sweet. <laughs> Is your cup full? Man, I'm telling you, like, <laughs> I got to ask after every show like this now. <laughs> it is, but it, it it's getting a little easier, I think, just because of yesterday of, like, again, doing it and just, like, ex- expending the brain energy, kind of, like, stretching your mind is yeah. what it feels like. Because it hurts. Like, my head physically hurts. <laughs> but it's the same in way. In a good of, way because it's. In a great way. It's moving. You're. you're in a great way. Yeah. Your brain right? chemistry is shifting all over. Think of it the same way of like, you know, I got back into doing some just light working out <laughs> and like exercise. And at first it's like, man, you do something, you like go for a run or a bike. You're like your muscles let you know that you did that. You're like, oh God, it hurts. Right. It hurts. Right. And the same with your brain. I'm not joking either because yeah. when I did that coding program last summer, my brain hurts so bad every single day because you're really thinking. Yeah. When you're at home making your breakfast that you've made all the time and you know where the forks and the spoons and the knives and the dish, you don't have to think about anything. Mm-hmm. That's why when you travel and you have to think about everything, time distorts because you're remembering everything. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when we do these episodes, man, like I'm full on engaged. Like, Yeah, that was good. I had a thoroughly good time. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, well, I think we're we're good to go. We're gonna yeah. wrap this up, and you guys can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at the Strange Road. The Facebook group, Strange Road Hitchhikers, is rocking. Um, and you know, make sure you listen to the podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever it is. Give us a review, five stars or bust. Give us a share if you like it. Yeah, give us a share. Um, share it with someone. You know, it's free. Wherever you listen to your podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're not subscribed, please do hit that subscribe button, like that video, please, and uh, you. You know, positive comments, and we're very active in our YouTube comments. Yeah. So if you guys uh, reach out there or Instagram, more than likely we're going to get back to you. We, we try. We try very, very hard to get back to people uh, in a timely manner. And so um, the YouTube premieres and the live streams are all ad-free. Yep. Um, we have the super stickers and super chats, which are uh, available do have on, uh, on the YouTube channel now. So if you want to support, check that out. Um, also, uh, we have a couple links. All the links for uh, Tobias and Singular Fortian yep. are in the description. Check out all of our links. We love Go you guys. Go check out his stuff. Check out those, yes. check out those articles on Singular Fortian. percent Uh, But we are out. Peace, love, and chicken grease. Later, everybody. There you go.